Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Hollywood Matt Connolly. Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. It is the double biceps. It's in the contract, a legal requirement every single time we appear on camera. Am I going to get it right this time? There we go. I got yeah. it right. Now you got I it. always lean to the wrong way because it's mirrored on the reflection that I can see. And I end up going out of frame. So this time I actually got it right. So it, welcome to the show. <laughs> as long as we got that basis covered, that's all I'm happy about. I actually do use it in the edit. I just look for when is the double bicep. Okay, that's where the thing starts. I, I so. stopped watching after that right yeah, yeah. Tune out. just a compilation of double biceps I'm, I'm working on that it's when we lose all the ladies too right? <laughs> yeah that's it oh. but this is about MMA <laughs> 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 uh, so the co-host the co-founder the co-wearer of clothes co-breather oh, of air oh, here we go. there we go co-breather of air in, the, in this very room it is in fact the master of disaster the king of sting the count of Monte Cristo it is in fact Thunderlips the ultimate male the <laughs> The winner of the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award. Oh, there it is there, the illustrious trophy. And it is, in fact, Dave. Dave Stockbridge. Stockbridge, welcome to your own show in your own studio, sir. Oh, thank you very much for that very, very warm welcome. As always, Hollywood, <laughs> Matt Connolly. Every week, every week. I, I don't know if the intros are getting better, but I'm enjoying them more <laughs> and more. So now we do have a very special guest yeah. in the studio and a, and a fascinating off-air discussion, and I'm sure we're going to jump straight into all of that. So, Greg, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. So, so, uh, so, Greg, you're actually, uh, when you said you were over here training, I just assumed it would be for refereeing and you've got all the referees together becoming better referees, but uh, you were here on uh, on other reasons uh, in Adelaide today. Yeah, the secret other life. Hmm. <laughs> Who would have known? So, strength and conditioning coach, AFL. No, not strength and conditioning. No? Just, I got employed as a, just a boxing coach, so an alternative uh, trainer for the club, and it's just Morphed into other things. Mm. So, so when the players go to the tribunal, they just blame you. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> that a, guy again? Yeah. <laughs> it was a really good cross. So, uh, how did that happen? Well, Greg uh, just last week was just drilling us, and uh, you know, <laughs> like damn Greg. <laughs> yeah. So most clubs have a, a combat instructor. Mm-hmm. Pre-season, we work pretty hard on it. There's jujitsu and wrestling, which I'd, I'd run all that for them, and um, and and boxing continues all through the years. A cross train. Mm-hmm. And you're always working with the rehabbers. So rehabbers have got to be off legs or got to do something different. So that every day I've got something to, something to do with it. I'm also involved in every drill, football drill. Huh. So mm. I'm out on the ground. Wow. And this is the Richmond Football Club. Richmond Football Club, yeah. Amazing. Wow. And, yeah. and so you, which was interesting that I didn't realise that all the teams in the AFL are playing here in Adelaide this weekend, which is incredible. Yeah. I had no idea that it was happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't follow football. I'm, I'm <laughs> such an MMA fan. You have yeah, no idea. Right. No, I'm, I'm still trying to work out why they're all playing in this weekend as well. Yeah, right. That's- and it's just the one game here this weekend or there's several games that you're uh, – that Richmond No, part just of? one. We're just, just, we're just playing. All the teams month. playing on the same ground at, at the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. <laughs> and it just ends up a fight. That's where you come that's in. Where I come yeah, in. That's <laughs> why the boxing is important. But I'm not reffing. I'm just judging. <laughs> just, yeah, just judging and jumping in wherever you can. <laughs> Amazing. So uh, how, how is it that you began your, your – is it a mixed martial arts journey or a boxing journey that melded into? No, no it's a, it's a martial arts journey that um, that most people at my age of playing golf, winning golf clubs, but it's mm. just so boring. Like, yeah, why would you do that when you can still punch and kick someone? <laughs> so I just I, I still really enjoy it. Like before I got on the plane to fly over this morning, I I still had two PTs and a class to run, and then like I still I still like it, and I'm not you know I don't like getting hit in the head anymore. I don't like getting – I actually never really did. <laughs> I don't think many people really like getting punched or kicked in the head. And checking leg kicks hurts. It oh. doesn't matter how long you do it, it still hurts. So, <laughs> But I still I still train. I'm, 
I was trained as a student probably three nights or three times a week and then the rest of the, every day I'm doing something. Wow. Teaching or doing something. Amazing. To keep busy. That's yeah. why I'm skinny. Did this begin as a young man? Yeah, did, as, a young, as a young guy, like every, everyone in the suburbs back, back in the uh, caveman days, we had to find something to do. So I, I got involved in um, Zendukai, which was the, oh, yes. the trend, oh. of the, <laughs> trend of the uh, era. Yeah, yeah. That moved along. I found a guy who was uh, the former Victorian state um, heavyweight champ, amateur champion, box, uh-huh. just a boxer, yep. and did a bit of work with him and just kind of hung around and hung around all that sort of stuff. Um, never mastered anything mm-hmm. and still haven't, mm-hmm. but uh, haven't stopped. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I moved to, to um, Adelaide. Oh, I'm trying to think when it was, the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Firstly to play football mm-hmm. um, and then left, went back, came back and bought a business here and thought I've got to keep training, I've got to find somewhere to train. And the only thing that was open during the day because I worked at nights was uh, Jim Fung's Wing Chun Academy. Do you oh, remember this place? Yes, in, I do, yeah. Back, back, in, the, back in the day? Yep. <laughs> so I went there every day to just train every day and there was some really good guys that are still involved in combat sports today mm. um, uh, training out of there. And one of the guys uh, broke off and opened his own school called uh, Street Defence Tactics. Okay, yep. And uh, I went across with him and started teaching classes for him um, and a bunch of guys who fought in MMA down under and stuff all followed and, and came out of that place there. Oh. Mm. So I was working out of there and from there <coughs> one day a uh, uh, Brazilian guy walked in the door <laughs> and said, did you do jiu-jitsu? And I went... Yes. At this stage, <laughs> nobody did jujitsu in Adelaide. <laughs> uh, what do you do? We just do it over here. So, got on the mat with him. Uh, uh, three months later, a mate of his turned up who was a black belt, the first black belt in South Australia. Oh. And I, and in order for them to get their visas, uh, one of the things that was going to help them was to have an Australian business partner. I said, mm. I'm your man. Oh, yeah. So, that's when we started Brazilian Top Team Australia. So oh. I was one of the founders with. Uh, Fab and Bomber. Wow. And we found a shed down in Thebiton and, and away we went. And from that it kind of spawned out from there. And I reckon I went to that shed in Thebiton once. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> only, only the once that it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped. I was on the mat last night and it still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I got thrown around by a big guy and then beaten up by a little girl. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's nice. Thanks, guys. I'll, I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> it still happens like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had the um, same experience. Uh, my, I did, uh, it, was, it was wrestling with MMA. I went, <laughs> for some reason, well, the Instructor, yeah, oh, that's right. We'll, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> we'll get another line. I'll put it in. But um, the instructor, because I was, I was quite, I was a little bit bigger. I was like 120 kilos. He was using me as the demonstration uh, for everything. It was like, I'll oh, come over here and and this is how you throw somebody on the head, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just do that again, and then and this is how. So if they're trying to get a re-naked choke and and they've got their chin, you grab your thumb and you put it on their nose and you pull it across. <laughs> <like that>. <laughs> <laughs> I remember counting the next day. I was in the shower and I had thirty-five bruises. <laughs> it was bruised everywhere. <laughs> Why would you ever want to go and play golf? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The blood, blood nose. Somebody accidentally headbutted me. I was, they were in guard and they popped up quickly and hit me in the face. Oh my God. So, yeah, all respect to people that do martial arts, especially for years. So, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you look, every every class or school you go into, you see 
like I trained last night and the place was packed. Mm. But I was just sitting there thinking, how many of these guys are going to be here at my age? Oh, yeah. And I was going to, out of the, say, 50 that were on the mat, I would have said four, mm-hmm. maybe four, you know. Mm. Yeah. Who's a lifer? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it is, it is very brutal, isn't it? It's, it's brutal, yeah. But it's for me, it's been fantastic. Martial arts has taken me around the world, so mm. it's, it's been great. And as I said, I've never mastered anything, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I've got a few belts, but they just keep your pants up. So, so, so you, <laughs> so, so you really, uh, you, you've really seen this whole metamorphosis of martial arts, basically from karate kid to where it is now, oh, and, yeah. and, and the professionalism <coughs> and the way that the sports change. Because yeah. for me, it all begins with karate kid. <laughs> were, you yeah. trying, were you trying to think of a movie that was relevant now? Yeah. I, was, I was saying, <laughs> no, I, I've got no idea what. It, <laughs> I was trying to think of a more relevant movie pre karate kid. Oh, really? There, up there with was one. none. Yeah, it all began there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Everyone wanted one of those headbands. Yeah, I remember wanting right. one of those headbands. Yeah, one of those <laughs> you know, things. That, yeah. Yeah, I got drums. a funny story about that because many, many years ago, my son had a uh, a birthday party, and he wanted to do um, a martial arts party. Oh, said, I'm your man. Yeah, I'm not only a dad. I can help you here. <laughs> so I sent all the, uh, sent all the invitations out to these kids, and these kids were I don't know maybe five five years old, and brought him into the gym. And these parents walked in and saw padded walls and padded floors and just went, we're out of here. Great. <laughs> not, they can do whatever they want. Go, go crazy. So I put my gear on and uh, as they walked in, I ordered a bunch of those Karate oh. Kid headbands online and every kid came in, oh. got the headband. Amazing. That would have made their day. <laughs> but I went full, Dad of the year. I went full Karate Kid. It was Crane, <laughs> Tiger, and they had to do all this stuff. And I filled the boxing ring up with balloons and before they could leave they had to break every balloon so it was just uh, kids going crazy and <laughs> that been amazing but the funniest thing about it was I want to go I want to be adopted <laughs> well, <laughs> no the funniest thing was two parents walked up to me and said oh hi this is great blah, blah, and didn't have a clue I'm the dad and mm. thought I was a child entertainer running a, a oh, ninja really? party or something so you're taking bookies, bookies. <laughs> <laughs> There's something in this. Oh, right. It's a new business idea. Maybe. I let it slip. That's incredible. Oh, I bet your son was absolutely wrapped with that. That would have been incredible. It would have been the the most popular kid in the club. Everyone, would you bring it the thing? Like, it would have been the talk of the the next month at school. I mean, so amazing. Yeah, I got some some points for that one. And and did you ever imagine, like, when you started off on this journey, probably as a young man, that you could bring together all of those facets of sport that you love, footy, martial arts, and, and bring it together and that just be your life I mean it's it's hard for a lot of professional MMA guys to make a living out of it so you know from your perspective to make it your life and to make it your living it's a it's a quite a special thing yeah it is I'm, I'm really lucky but in saying that you know when I first started as an official I worked for years and years and years flying myself all over the country doing shows everywhere for no money mm. I'd pay for my airfare I'd pay for my Accommodation. I'd pay for all my food, and I wouldn't get paid for it. Mm. So I just wanted to get better. Um, and is that still the is that the course now as well? So if you want to get started, you kind of got to do those hard yards for a while. You know what? I still run a. I run a. I've ran a couple of courses for the uh, Vic government in the last couple of years, and it's only we've only done judges at this stage. And you get all these people put their hands up and go, "I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it." But. Officiating. <laughs> oh no! I'm no, happy to watch. A, it's a tough gig. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a hard gig, and it's not highly rewarded. And we actually want people who are passionate about the sport, mm. not somebody who wants to get their head on TV or, mm. or say I'm a part of this. That's it's we, not what it's about. We've got thousands it? of them. We actually need people who are passionate about the sport and understand it. And mm. as a judge, it's a tough gig. You've got to understand um, a lot of little bits and pieces that mm-hmm. fit this puzzle. You've got to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I teach, as you know, I teach the class in Los Angeles with Herb. So I run, I work with Herb oh, Free School. Amazing. So, and um, we have about a, an 80% fail rate. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah and and right. everybody who comes in, in the judges, has to get on the mat. And okay. those guys go on like, what do we have to get on the mat? <laughs> now, we don't, we're not looking for uh, uh, high-level martial artists or, or instructors. We're looking mm. for guys that understand what's mm-hmm. going on or, or in a position. Like how All can right. you score that if you don't know the feeling from that? Exactly, yeah. Or how right. can you score that if you don't know that if he moves two, millis, two millimetres, he's ripping your arm off? That's you right. might look like you're in a dominant position, but you're not. Exactly. So it's it's pretty tough to find those kind of people. Mm. Um, it, there's plenty of MMA judges and everyone puts their hand up, but we need good ones. Yes. Because yeah. we're putting these kids – Lives, dreams, mm. futures, everything, mm. it's in our hands here. And if we don't get it right, we can, we can really muck, and it's sort of muck this kid up. Split mm-hmm. seconds mm-hmm. as well. And, that, and, and often cases, it's is, is your judgment as to whether or not that's enough or whether this is now safe. As or, a referee, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at this stage, I'm just talking about a judge. Now, right. they've got to get it right. Now, mm-hmm. me personally, I don't necessarily agree with a 10 point must. I don't like it either. It's, it's not. But that's what we're paid to do. Mm. That's the system we've got. So be really, really good at it. Be mm. diligent in learning all the rules, understanding it fully. Because at the end of every meeting, I don't, I don't think you guys have heard it, but I always pull a meeting together and I go through every fight. Oh, right. And if you've scored it, if you're on the wrong end of a split, I want to know what you saw. Mm. And mm. I don't really care what you score the fight, but you need to intelligently debate to me how mm. you arrived at that score under the current scoring criteria. Amazing, I love if that. If you can do that. yeah. I'm going to copy arguing. Okay, all right. I can probably see that. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's that's so important, isn't it? And there's been really, so really many important. bad calls. So many yeah, bad calls. The 10-9 system, I mean, it came from boxing. It's, mm. it, it doesn't apply as well as it should for MMA. Um, I don't have an alternative, unfortunately. I know. Do, that- do you have an alternative? Well, look, we've, I've worked – I was lucky enough to work on ACA and ACB, the Russian show, and mm. they have a five judges – Okay. And we had a thing called the tiebreaker. So the ref, resting ref, ref would have a system, myself and Herb were the refs on these shows, mm. and we had a couple of other guys from uh, – a couple of guys from Poland and a couple of guys from Russia would work on it. And if it ever got to a, a, a draw, which is pretty rare yeah. on five judges, but it had happened, mm. and then we had a system on how we scored a certain punch or a certain kick, oh. and then we would just go bang. But I didn't really like that either because it came down to one guy. Mm. Oh, yeah, so exactly. five guys didn't get it right. You're putting it on me to make that decision, mm. like a casting vote. Almost. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it's a tough, it's a tough it, one. It is. Um, so is it just a matter of any any system's imperfect, and it's just getting really good at the imperfect system that you've got to ensure that that's, that's, justice is found more often that's than not. The only way I can mm. see it. So, do I like the name, the ten point must system? Not necessarily. There's lots of it I don't like, but I do everything I can to fully understand it and to judge it accordingly. And if mm. I've done that, then I've done my job correctly. Now, mm. if that costs you a fight, it costs you a fight under the current unified rules. Mm. That's what it is. That's right. Don't blame me for it. I did my job. Yeah. Do you, so, do you, do you think we should see more 10-8 rounds? I think we are seeing more 10-8 rounds. Mm. Yeah. There's plenty. There's, you know, we're starting to see them. Mm. But the trouble with 10-8s too is that you can uh, – there can be a hell of a first round. Mm. And you go, oh, that's close to a 10-8. Yeah. And then – the next two aren't as bad, but they might get a 10-8. Mm. Right. How did you give that third round a 10-8? You didn't give the first one. Oh, well, at the time, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's too late. Can't so go I, back and change it. Hang on a minute. Yeah. I'll just have that back for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, there is, there is some promotions that you have your score 
on the table for the whole fight, which I hate. Yes. Hand it in. Yeah. You've had your opportunity done. Reset, refocus, and do your job. Go mm. back to work. That's, mm. that's, that's right. how I like to see it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the announcing of scores between rounds as an option? Um, I, I have no issues with it if everyone's doing their job correctly. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with it. I don't know if the fighters want to know that. I'm not sure if the corners want to know that mm-hmm. because if, if you know, I've heard plenty of corners say, you know, we've got the first two rounds, but they clearly haven't got the first yeah, that's two right. rounds. They say that, but no they've got what. it inside their fighter, and they they come, you know, they're going to come out. We've got the first two rounds. We'll yeah. just knock him out. We're just going to we're going to knock him out and make this a highlight fight for you. You know, yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure that the coaches necessarily want to hear it. I would think they want to have their own chat to their. To their fighters. Mm, I feel yeah, it's a double-edged sword in some respects because if somebody is a very wrestling, smothering type fighter and they know that they're ahead and they've just got to cruise through five minutes and they'll win the fight, they're probably going to play it very safe. You're going to get yeah. a really boring third round. But in the other respect, it's when the other guy knows, hey, mate, like you are down, you, you're you going to lose this uh, fight. You've uh, got to give it everything. I, I think they know. I'm yeah. pretty sure the fighters know. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. you got me that round, you know. Yeah, mm. that's right. I think they know. So, so how did this transformation happen for you as being just a, a fan of fighting to uh, eventually officiating? And yeah, that's a good question. Look, first and foremost, I'm a fan. Mm. I'm just a fan of the sport. Mm. Like, I like fighting. Yeah. You know? I hate violence, but I love fighting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so what had happened was um, – the first ever MMA event was going to happen in Singapore called – do you remember the American King of the Cage? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a big – some big fighters come through. Rampage Jackson yeah. came – a lot of big-name fighters came through King of the Cage. Mm. So this guy brought King of the Cage to Singapore. Mm. This is a guy who I had done some, um, sem- some training seminars with. He was a student. I was a student and we were doing some seminars and, and I just got along really well. He was a Singaporean guy. He was uh, ex – um, I don't know what they called in Singapore, but SAS guy, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. secret, whatever. Done the Navy SEAL course a few times. He was a he was a badass, mm. um, and he was a bit on that badass side of Singaporeans because it's a pretty organised place, Singapore. But this mm. guy was, and I liked him. I got on with him really yeah. straight away. I went, "This is my kind of guy." Yeah, yeah. And he said, "Listen, I'm going to put on these events." He had a uh, a school up there called Fightworks Asia, okay. and he said, "Why don't you come up?" I'll get you to teach X amount of seminars while you're up here and uh, come and watch the show. I went, yeah, okay, that covers all my fares. It'll be good. Mm-hmm. Get to get away for a week, go and have some fun in Singapore. Yeah. So I get there. He said, I'll have some boys pick you up at the airport. And I get there and there's these guys pick me up and take me to a clubhouse. And it's like the – they were called the war pigs. It's like the Hells Angels of Singapore, which oh. I didn't think existed. But this <laughs> <Right>. was <laughs> – so I went there. They were great. You know, they were yeah. great guys, very accommodating. Anyway, he said the other guys from King of the Cage – his name, Terry Treblecock, who, who owned it, was mm-hmm. flying in the next day and a few other people. And the referee that they'd flown in was, was Herb Dean. Nice. So we all met and had dinner this night. This We're talking a long time ago. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. I couldn't even tell you when, maybe 2006, okay. seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I got chatting and, and we were, went to the venue the next day and checked the cage and, and then Herb says to this guy, he says, uh, so where are my officials? And he kind of went, Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, Official. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Herb's uh, going, he's having this chat with me, he said, we've been talking for the last couple of days. Um, you seem to know a lot about the sport. 
you're the head judge tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he said, okay. I'm going to referee all the fights, but you're the head judge. And we're just going to go through some stuff now. So we went off for a few hours and went And, and you'd never judged before? I hadn't judged before. <laughs> so, and no, then we got no a couple of, couple of other guys in, um, a couple of local Singaporean guys who, who are from some martial arts school or something like that. And, and Herbert given me all this homework to do and I'd done it all. And right, I'm going to pull this together and make this happen. Yeah. And uh, there wasn't many fights. It was maybe six or eight fights on the on the whole card and mm-hmm. uh, Herb reffed them all and uh, we judged them all and we got them all, all right mm-hmm. um, and I did a report at the end of it as to why I thought and this and Herb went, oh, these guys. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, um, Herb uh, sits me down and he says, hey, listen, I'm about to put a course together in Los Angeles. I wouldn't mind you being my crash test dummy. Oh. Uh, he said, if you ever want to come over. I said, no, I'll come over, good. Yeah. So I shot over and um, – so, so at this point you'd never re- – you'd not competed at any high level uh, as no, such. And and, no. and, and, and how, how did your reputation get you as far as Singapore? Uh, just as an instructor. Right. Yeah, just teaching. Just teaching. Yeah. Yeah, just right. Teaching, yeah. And uh, what, what an <laughs> unbelievable set of circumstances. <laughs> you're well, you're at weird, the table with the uh, – <laughs> No, with, the, with the, the weird bike, thing. Bikers of Singapore and Herb Dean and <laughs> – well, You're the guy. Come on, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> the, the weird thing was I was Two up in Singapore. Later, head judge. <laughs> yeah. L.A. <laughs> well, the weird thing was I was, I was – um, the only it, weird it gets thing. Weirder. <laughs> I was in Singapore to teach um, uh, street defence. Like what if you're in a bad situation, how can you deal with it really quickly, really maim and hurt someone mm-hmm. in the worst possible way and get out of there? Yeah. I'll tell you that what. That doesn't happen in Singapore. <laughs> there's, there's rules in Singapore. You don't you didn't chew gum in Singapore back uh. then. Like, so I'm thinking, what am I teaching this for? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they were all over it. They paid a fortune for it uh, and they were all over it. They wanted to see that sort of stuff. Um, and the other weird thing about it is that one of the sessions I taught was in – so the bikies have picked me up, gone to the clubhouse. The next day I'm teaching at the police club. Oh. <laughs> so this, this is what I taught them. <laughs> yeah. This is the counter the to everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I went over to Los Angeles. I spent a couple of days with Herb. We went through and it's, sorry, the Is there any kind of like a, a formal um, like ISKA or anything like that, no. that you're at this stage? So this is like this is early days. you and Herb making it up. Making it up, winging wow. it as we go along. Yeah, if Incredible. You, if you blink at your opponent, you lose. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we know didn't like your shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a story about the shorts. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get to that one. It's not Dennis Holman, was it? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we put together this this thing. He said, this is great. I think you understand this sport. And this, there's no one doing this at this stage. There's mm. really nothing. John McCarthy had a course yep. that you could attend. Um, and I get back to Australia after Herb signed it off and said, you, you need to get busy. You need to go and start getting involved in some shows. At this, sta- this stage, there's no shows. There's yeah. none in South Australia. There's mm. none in Victoria. It wasn't regulated, I don't think, here. No. And they started one in um, – It might have even been illegal. I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah it was. And then so they- I did the first ever ones here in South right. Australia, yeah. Yeah. At the showgrounds, yeah. Huh? Um, they had a show called CFC, Cage Fighting Championships, which was in um, Queensland. No, it was in Sydney and okay. held at the Big Top at Luna Park. Oh, okay. And it was a great show. It was a fantastic show. So they had one show and I got back and I phoned the promoter and said, hey, listen, this is what I've done. I've just spent the time with Herb Dean. He certified me to be a judge. I'd like to get involved in your show. He said, oh, we haven't got really money. You know, we haven't got money. To, it's okay. I want to come up. I want to get better. Mm. He said, I'd love to have you on the show. Yeah. And he gave me a number of a guy who refereed his first show. 
who kind of fell into it by accident as well. But mm. it just so happens that same time that I was in LA doing Herb, working with Herb, he'd gone and done John McCarthy's books. Oh, oh, amazing. Okay. It's where the lineages come together. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Which you guys know is Steve Percival. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Well, there you go. So what is it? <laughs> 18 years later, myself and Steve has travelled oh. the world many times over and are still officiating. Incredible. So oh. I hook up with Steve and I, and I have this conversation with him. He says, well, listen, there's a show coming up next month. You know, you seem to be talking like you know a lot more than my judge. Just come on up. So I went up and um, and judged the first couple of shows and just got involved with him and wherever there were shows. Mm. You know, we'd go up and do the uh, Southport Sharks and and there was some big names on those shows. Rob Whitaker was fighting on yeah. that show. Yeah. Uh, Palai, um Brian Ebersole, yeah. Anthony Parosh, Kim Robinson. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Like, there was some really, really good sh- – and they brought guys out from the Ultimate Fighter, Caleb Starnes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hector. Hector was the champion for m- in two divisions, Hector Lombard. Oh, like, it was, yeah, it was right. big, But it was it was still kind of pretty underground. Then. Yes. Like, it was pretty underground sort of stuff, but I loved it. But that's how, I, that's how I got started. And then any show that was on, I would just say, hey, listen, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm doing it, and yeah. I want to get involved. So, I yeah, I, got, I forced myself on people – to become a good official. I want mm. to become a good official. The thing that really ticked me over was I was cornering a fighter, a South Australian boy, who now runs Adelaide Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Okay. He was having a, an MMA fight up in – and there used to be a show called Brace for War. I don't know if you know Brace for War. I haven't heard of that one, no. Years and years ago. Mm. And uh, flew up to Townsville Casino. Mm-hmm. I was his corner man. I was his trainer. And the referee got up and said, bup, 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 and I just went there and went, no, <laughs> no, no, that's not right. Mm. No, 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 you've given some really bad instruction here. But rather than be one of those guys that stands up and yells and I just went back and went, that's it. I'm not going to train any more fighters. I'm not going to coach any more fighters. I'm going to become a really good official because yeah. that's what we need. Mm. Yeah. That's where the sport's going. So. Oh, That's what happened. Is, yeah. It's so exciting for me to hear all these things. <laughs> these back I was like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, first time I saw the UFC, I was like, every other sport, I'm like, out the way, I'm doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, incredible. And to hear that you've been part of it for so long and it's like, oh, my God, I've probably seen you, you know on what? there. I, I did a show a few weeks ago and they announced some kid, uh, I forget who he was, it was at a, um, oh, a show called Salt. In oh, Torquay. Okay. It's a really good show. It's a new show. It's put on by uh, a couple of coaches that are down in the regional area of Victoria. So they're just – they're fight fans and they think about the fighters, mm-hmm, much mm-hmm. like DFC. Mm-hmm. They put the fighters first, which is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And anyway, they, the announcer uh, reads out this kid's name and age and whatever else, and I'm thinking mm. – Refereeing before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> I really have been around a long yeah. time. Yeah, and, and early on, were those promoters were they were they boxing promoters or were they new to MMA and so just you know, excited lot, about a, it? A or lot gym of them, owners. A lot of them were gym owners. Yep. that just wanted to get their fighters um, fights. Um, the guy that was one of the promoters for CFC back in the original days was Luke Pizzuti, who fought on the show a couple of times himself. But just yep. recently, he's. He's got boys fighting on shows. He's had guys on DFC. He's yep. had guys on uh, Path to Hex. He's had a couple of guys on Hex. He's actually got some – and he's just gone back to what he used to do and he just – he loves the sport. Like you just love those guys that are still doing it all these years later. They just 
and they're helping some young kid get better. And and so how did how did the whole officiating thing become much more formal? And 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 how did you start to induct the uh, the new referees and the new judges? And how did that all start to take shape? And how, where does uh, ISKA kind of fit into all of that? So ISKA was was set up here in Adelaide. This was from my time in Adelaide. Um, so I spent. 14 years, I think, here in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And the first MMA Down Under yep. was happening. Uh, in actual fact, I think there was one MMA show on before that somewhere, somewhere out, I can't even remember where it was or how long ago it was. But um, um, Greg Toyama contacted uh, Shane at uh, ISKA and said, this is what we're going to do. And I think they had 21 fights the first time and mm-hmm. it was – Four sets of rules. <laughs> now, at this stage, we had no pros, so there was no pro MMA. Mm. But we had. So, where are they getting their rule sets from? Is a little. So, bit like ISKA some... had some rule sets, yep. and they just adapted them. Um, but they didn't have any referees that had ever done anything like and, this. And who developed those the, the rule sets? I think I think ISKA had rule sets from other countries or somewhere uh, else. So they just brought them in and said, "Well, these are the ones we're going to do it on." So yep. I think initially, if you were a C class. Fighter, you had to wear shin pads, mm. a helmet. If it went to the ground, you had to play jujitsu. No it was all these rules. Yeah, yeah. It was Not strike on the ground. <laughs> yeah, which look, I'm all for it. If this is going to get kids involved, young kids involved, it's a great safe way to get them involved. Call it whatever you call it, novice, call it C class, call it whatever you want. Mm. Yeah, let's keep these kids safe mm. and uh, let them dip their toe in it and see if they want to take it further. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and so so how did ISKA kind of get involved with you, or how did you get involved with them? He just uh, they just contacted me oh. and said, "Hey, listen," um, and I already was involved with myself and Steve had MMA Federation Australia, we uh, and MMA official, uh, officials Australia. So we already so had, you'd form some bodies, we'd form guys, you so yeah. that you could essentially start training people and Correct. getting people prepared. Yeah. So, so we, you just took that on yourself. Just took it upon ourselves. Wow. Spoke to um, ministers. I remember here to get the cage approved here. I mm. flew over. I was back in Melbourne by then. I flew over on a Monday night and we went out to – did we go to CardioFlex? I reckon we may have gone out there. Mm-hmm. And the minister and a few other fancy types come <laughs> and sat beside us and we did these mock fights and I just explained everything as it went through. And just talking just through demonstrated it. how demonstrated. it would look on okay. the night. Okay, this is what it happens, and this is why we can't. We need to fight. We never use the word cage. This is why we need to use a safety enclosure because it's very dangerous for this sport we're playing. Yeah, right? yeah. people are falling so, out and getting hurt. And I had to do the same it's thing. More, in it's more dangerous when they get out. <laughs> yeah, we, we <laughs> they had it a few times with some heavyweights in the early days, and they would bum rope each other and crash into, and the gates weren't like the proper yeah. pinned in, and they would burst open. And these guys would yeah. go flying out. Well, the first ones we did at. Um, at uh, the showgrounds, we were all done in a ring. Oh, okay, right. Mm. Oh, all in God. a ring. Like Pride, the old days of Pride. Yeah. Jeez. Because yeah. the safety enclosure wasn't approved. Oh. So, so yeah. you, you literally you're having to educate uh, judges, officials, induct all of those guys, educate elected officials in order just to be able to hold these events in the first place. So you, you're doing yeah. a lot of education yeah, yeah. really and, yeah. and just – Onboarding and getting people's head around this new yep. new sport because I, I'm guess, and, and just remembering back to those dark old days where you know there was oh you know there were people that this it's a cop fighting for humans and all yeah. of this type of thing yeah. and there was all of that type of talk that was around there you 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 were kind of have to you were sorting through all, all of that in order to just get an event to to happen correct yeah mm. yeah it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy it wasn't mm. easy but 
And, and like you guys, I was passionate about the sport. Yeah. I wanted to see it advance and I wanted to see it go go places. And I thought after that uh, meeting up in, in Townsville that I might be a better place to doing this. I might be a more of a benefit to the sport as this guy mm. as opposed to this guy's. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, we've done But that. I always thought that, you know, I'll do this for a while and then <coughs> there'll be a bunch of new guys will come along and yeah. great, I'll sit back and have a beer and watch people punch the shit out of each other. But <laughs> not too many more have come along. And, like, that's a lie. They've come along, but they're just not prepared to put in the time, mm-hmm. the energy, the effort to make the sport better. They've mm. got other agendas, and I'm kind of like, maybe you're not the right guy for this job. Like, mm. it's, it's, yep. that's not how it works out. And, right. and, and so, Iskara were already officiating in different uh, combat sports around the world at that point in time, yeah. and so they've kind of married in with what you're doing at the. Well, I think Iskara actually um, sanctioned Bellator. Oh, in America okay. at the time, so right. they, they had some big shows on the yeah. go anyway. They had plenty of places to go. So we co. Um, co-sanctioned the events here in South Australia. Yep. The first two UFCs here, the, the organisation that myself and Steve have, we sanctioned those events. You, you sanctioned uh-huh. that? It yeah. wasn't ISCO? No. Right. Oh. So you were like and, the and, athletic and, commission now. Yeah, like, and so how, did, how does that happen where they, they reach out to you guys just knowing that you, you're the guys on the ground? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And then we can supply officials mm. That they need to have. Um, we also ran just an inspector's course on the night before as to what was needed. And there was uh, a young girl that turned up who had said she'd been training with a girl that was fighting. We said, look, we're going to have to take you off this this show. You can't uh, have that affiliation. Uh, conflict you know? of interest, yeah. right. So we just did what was – yeah, we just – basically if it says it in the rules, we just try to stick the rules best we can. That's what we have to do. That's mm. our job. You know, and Whether we, as, as I said before, necessarily agree with some of those rules or not, yeah, They're the rules. Mm. That's what we're paid to do. Mm. So go to work. Do your job. That's right. Don't get caught up in it. Just do your job. <laughs> yeah. It's not about us. We've just got to try. If nobody notices us, we've done a great job. And did you ever imagine at some point that it would yeah. that the sport would explode in the way that it that it did? Did you always have that feeling? Or I, look, think? I thought it was, but not for one minute did I ever think that I would be officiating some of the biggest shows in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just like the sport. Yeah, and. Today, you know, I'm like slighted aerial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, I, I've never done a, a main event of the UFC. I've done a couple of main events, a co main events. I did one in, um, I did the one in the Philippines, the one show they did in the Philippines, and yep. I did one of the co main events in Korea. Mm. But in saying that, I, whether it's that show or a stadium in Russia, mm-hmm. um, you know, or stand at Torquay doing an amateur kid in the shed. It's just the door shut and it's red versus blue and yeah. just show me a good fight. Mm. I've got a job to do. I don't really care who it is or what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so it's the same for me. I don't really I don't care where it is. The, the pay is slightly different mm-hmm. but I'm probably still trying to catch up from what I spent initially yeah. to get there. So probably it, it, <laughs> is, is there any degree of performance anxiety or nerves for those big shows though when, when you know there's a lot of eyeballs on you and everybody's – Judgmental themselves and has a yeah yeah look there is for for one show and the so so called biggest show in the world mm-hmm. so called self proclaimed biggest show in the world they they um, you get some nerves there because they just it's not necessarily all about the fighters in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah I don't I mean I'm I'm really blessed that I've ref for different shows all over the world. Um, and I don't necessarily think the best fighters in the world fight in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. I know they don't because mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to f- do shows in Russia and Eastern Europe and all over China. And so, 
my job in there is just to do my job. I just go in there and do my job, stick to the rules. Whereas you could be, I've, I've had occasions in the in the uh, ring, and I understand in the in the cage with the UFC and the cameraman. We go and ref, step right, step right, and I'm like, I'm standing here because mm. if something goes down here, I want to be in the best position possible. They're like, get out of the way, we need the money shot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, the entertainment side as opposed they to they've got the to actual. sell their show. And look, I get I get what they're doing. They're in the entertainment business. I get that they need guys that are going to sell sell fights for them, but Mm. I'm not that guy. I'm just the guy that's trying yeah. to you're enforce the rules and do my best job. That's, that's all right. I'm trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're there for the safety. You're like I'm putting their safety first, regardless of to. That's yeah. the the first thing you speak about in our in our courses is the fighter safety is paramount. That mm. is the first and foremost of our jobs mm. to look after fighters. Absolutely. And, and what's the what's the state of officiating in in Australia now and the standard compared to the rest of the world? How's all that travelling in the in the modern world? <sighs> you know. It's really interesting, and I should, probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. there's some guys now who refed on the uh, not refed, judged on the last UFC mm. in Perth, mm-hmm. probably haven't judged the show since the last UFC. Come on, mm. like for whatever reason, no, get involved, go and do every little local show you can, keep current, look mm. at fights, get better, get better. That's mm. right. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, so that's my concern. Is it? I'd like to. We have it here in Victoria. Well, I have it in Victoria that the guys that do my course and Steve, well, Steve comes down and helps me, and we'll have a logbook and what they've done. If they're not active, then they're going to have to re-educate again because things change. The sport evolves. You've got to move forward. Yeah, if you haven't done anything for, I don't turn up and say I'm a judge. I'm a qualified judge. You haven't done anything for two years. You're not a qualified judge. That's You're right. starting again. That's right. So that's how I play it. Uh, mm. I love the fact that you went and off your own back. You you've Kind of, uh, this is something I'm interested in, and uh, the officiating side is where I'm going to put my focus. And rather than sort of relying on people to pay you to do it, you're like, screw that. I'm going to go there. I'll pay myself to get there and be part of it because yeah. I just I love the sport and I want to see it get better. So if anybody is in a position where they want to you know make something happen like that, it's like you know if they're looking at um, the position that you're in at the moment, they go, oh. That's something I just love to walk into. It's like, no, you don't realize how yeah. many yeah. years of, of work and sacrifice yeah. and money and time and travel that you put in for free or at your own expense to get to this position. So, yeah, it's incredible. You, you would not believe some of the emails I've had over mm. the years. Like, a UFC's coming to town. Hey, listen, my name's, I'm a, I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. What are the chances you could help me get a job as a ref? <sighs> mm. How do I answer that question? Mm. <laughs> What have you been doing no. for the last 10 years? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you've been turning up these little shows. You've been helping build the cage. You know, like mm-hmm. over the years we'd build cages. We would clean up rubbish after the show. You'd just do whatever you had to do to make a successful show. The That's people right. come back so that we can have more and more shows. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's all that grassroots yeah. uh, level and the support. And then it's like, yeah. well, maybe you're at UFC one weekend. The next weekend you're at the local show. But it's like you're going to give it as much effort and energy. So It doesn't uh, – my job doesn't change. Mm-hmm. They close that door. But it's before the, I mean, you've been there. I have rules meetings. I have to go and speak to all the fighters. You, mm. You've got other things you have to do before. We'll go and do a cage inspector. We'll get under the cage and have a look at everything. Yeah. We'll check everyone's fingernails. We'll do everything we have to do. Mm-hmm. Most people just want to get their name announced by Bruce Buffer. Yeah. 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 How yeah. do I get that job? That's pretty easy. I don't get punched <laughs> in the face and I get on TV <laughs> in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, so what, what's the pathway for for, um, for for anybody out there that might be considering being an official or might have seen that and thought, you know what, that, that's how I can contribute to the sport. Yeah, and I think that's great. Then they've got to do exactly what I did, I think, find out what local shows are on, find the promoter, say, hey, listen, I, I'd like to get involved. He would then or they would then – put you onto the uh, officials, yep. 
and you may have to shadow judge for 12 months and yeah. get paid nothing for it. And you may have to do all the little crappy jobs. You must have walk fighters out to the cage and tell them they can't drink this or can't eat that or, you know, you've got to do all that sort of stuff. Mm. That's what you've got to mm. do. You've got to understand the sport. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, so you're running courses in Melbourne as in well? In Melbourne, yeah. We have keep toying with trying to do one here in South Australia and it keeps changing, dates keep changing and people <laughs> keep dropping in and dropping out. Mm-hmm. Um, still doing the ones in Los Angeles. We've got mm-hmm. one in November coming up for the first time since COVID, which, right. is, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. Um, have done them in China, done two in China. Okay. Yeah, so – yeah, I've been I've been active with officiating. Yeah, I was going to say I'd love your frequent flyer points. <laughs> well, <laughs> sadly, you could I, buy a plane. With <laughs> <laughs> well, we got that gig myself and Steve with uh, the WLF, which is a Chinese organisation, and mm-hmm. that lasted five years. So wow. we did a show a month for five years. Right. Every four weeks, we get in a plane and go somewhere to China and do the show. Mm. Um, so my frequent flyers were good. But <laughs> <laughs> then COVID hit. <laughs> and then I kept getting this email from uh, China Southern saying, you've got to use your points, you've got to uh, go somewhere. I'm like, you're actually, there's no planes in the sky. <laughs> China shut down. I can't do anything. I think now I'm done. I think there's nothing left. And they're blaming me for not flying with it. Uh, and their planes didn't, didn't go anywhere. You tried to trade him in for the gift shop. Uh, I tried to do that. Oh, I tried to do that. They wouldn't let you. No. Oh, there was yeah. nothing in it. They so, wrapped around it. What does your calendar look like? So you, do you know how far in advance do you know what you're doing? Is well, there's, there's, there's two parts of that. There's, there's, there's the BC, of course, before COVID, which, was, which I did have it fairly well planned. Yeah. Um, and since then, obviously, all the international stuff's stopped and my biggest – the companies, the biggest ones I worked with was the WLF, which was China, mm-hmm. every month. And then I would do an ACA, which become ACB, which would become ACA, mm-hmm. the Russians, uh, in between those shows. So generally two a month. But mm. I can't see the Russians or the Chinese offering an Aussie a job mm. anytime soon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's that's probably done for a while, which is fine, which means I've really dived deep into the local yeah, amateur and, and, and pro is, and I'm loving it. And and so that was your COVID response was to just get back into the grassroots and, and try and support the sport again. Yeah, we, which, I, which I did began. anyway. If I was in town, I would do every show <laughs> that was available. I just – it didn't matter to me. I would just do shows. Mm. And I also thought that you owe it to the fighters. Even if you don't like the promoter or you're not getting paid much money, these kids need to have – someone who's going to look after them mm-hmm. and someone who's going to get the right result for that fight. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt I owed that to these kids anyway. Mm. Some of your, your favourite moments refereeing, like is there anything that stands out where you're like, oh, this was awesome, this was some of the best things that has ever happened to you? Oh, there's a, there's a heaps of funny stories. We were having a chat before when we were yeah. before the show and, and it was when Brian Ebersole and we did the first ever, it was called – Van Diemen's Caged right. Mayhem. It was yes. at the Derwent Entertainment Centre in um, in uh, Tasmania. Tasmania. And I flew over and we were picked up by a uh, bunch of gentlemen that rode motorbikes. <laughs> and Again. They said just <laughs> – Same guys from Singapore. Just, <laughs> just, just hang out for a minute. We've got a special guest who's going to give out the trophies. Oh, uh-huh. oh, no worries. I'll just sit in the cabin, mate. And then Mick Gatto comes walking oh, out. Wow. <laughs> okay. There you go. G'day, Mick. No worries. And that was it. That was a conversation with me. And he, but he, he seemed nice enough and invited me to the after party at some clubhouse somewhere, which I thought, no, I'll just have a good night. Slice of pizza and go to bed <laughs> after that show. But that show was great because uh, I'd known Brian Eversole mm. from doing the CFCs and 
numerous shows around the country for years. And he's a, I don't know if you guys have met Brian, but he's a fantastic guy. He seems Great. very, I haven't met him in person, but every interview I've seen with him, he seems very genuine, very humble, very down to earth. Yeah. And he's probably had a hundred fights. Yeah. You know, and fought in all weight divisions and didn't, didn't care who, when, where, he just, but a lovely guy. Mm. Uh, Brian was on this card. I, th- I can't just think he was in the main event or not. Anyway, I get up in the morning and I'm one of those, uh, the weird guys, even in the UFC or any fight shows I go, I go into this new town, I've got to find something to do. I'm just not going <laughs> to come here for fights. I want to do something interesting. I want to find something about this city. Mm. Happened that weekend that Mona, the art gallery, opened in, oh, in okay. Hobart that weekend and mm. it was free to everyone nice. initially. So I get up in the morning, I've walked out of the hotel and Brian says, what are you doing? So I'm getting on this boat. There's this art gallery that's opened, underground art gallery. It's up on the – and he just went, I'm coming with you. Nice, yeah. <laughs> so he jumps on the boat and we go to this thing. And I don't know, have you guys been to Mona? I don't know. It's incredible. It's mm. inc- I've been there three times since. This was the weekend it opened. So there's hardly anyone in there and there's, there's some of the most incredible art from all over the world. This mm. place is incredible. And I'm blown away by it. And Brian, Brian's just couldn't believe – what he was seeing in this archaeology. He wasn't really arty type of guy, but he just wanted an adventure. Mm-hmm. And he was just sitting back and he was just pondering the whole way back. Anyway, we get back. It's fight night that night. Mm. Brian's taken by the art. He decides <laughs> to wrap himself in a pink sarong, <laughs> buy, buys a dozen red roses and walks out just hand, instead of fight music like everyone else was walking out to 15, 18 years ago, he's just handing people flowers oh and then proceeds to, <laughs> so to go out there, slam some guy and finishes the fight in a minute and walks off. That's amazing. <laughs> but the up thing to that, the funny thing about that was that I think we spoke two weeks later or was was not that even that. was the UFC 110 Two weeks Sydney. later, 110 Sydney was coming and right. Brian gets a call as a late call-up to fight Chris Lytle. And mm. Chris Lytle was a killer. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. He yeah. was a killer. Lights out Lytle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Brian took it to him and – He did. And, did Mucked up the whole party and it did and finished. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then he had a successful career in the UFC as well. From there, he, he must have had I don't know. Do you have eight or ten fights? Yeah, and it was interesting because he was talking about his path with the UFC, and he said, "You know, look, I'm not going for the title. That's not my path." And he goes, "But there's a lot of legends, a lot of big names in this division that he was fighting in, and it's like those are the fights I want." And yeah, yeah you saw him take it to so many big names, and he did amazing. He did such a great, great job in the in always the entertaining. Yes, and he, the hero he had. Yeah. You know, he used to shave his chest hair into a, an arrow pointing at his face, <laughs> pointing his chin. That's right, because, pointing up to his chin. Because he said that his opponents would always miss his head, and he's like, "I'm going to give him an arrow to say this is where my face is." Yeah. <laughs> Try to hit it. <laughs> he's um, he's he's a funny guy. He's a he's a great fighter, but he's a fantastic coach. Right? Yeah, I've had him yeah. there for a couple of seminars, and mm. he's just a, he's a great coach. He, he he's is still involved in the sport. I think he's working at Kings. Uh, Gary Nugabauer. Uh, he's, he's, oh yes, yeah. Elvis Sinisex, yeah. mm. Jim. Right. He works for Elvis now. Oh, with Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Elvis Sinisex uh, was another one of the first Australians to fight in the UFC. The uh, first, I think. Yeah, uh, fought Forrest Griffin. He, he fought some of the big names, T. Dog T's. Um, yeah, Jeremy Horn. It's true. Yeah, or well, double armbar. That was the first double armbar in the UFC, and it was Elvis Sinisek from Australia, the king of rock and rumble. King of rock and rumble. <laughs> yeah. Elvis, yeah. And no, I think he actually commentated a few of them after that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. We just see him around at shows. He's, he takes photos now. He's a, like takes photos at fight shows, and I oh. think. I might be wrong, but I'm 
pretty sure he's running for local government in his area. <laughs> okay. Or he's involved in it, yeah. He's, right. He's an interesting guy, obviously. Yeah. It was interesting. <clears throat> I was showing Dave uh, some of the UFC entrances that they used to do. Uh, um, you know, those real big ramp entrances with the fireworks and everything like that. That Tito Ortiz one that I showed you, uh, that was he was fighting Elvis Sinisek on that. Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. And Elvis Sinisek had, had beaten Jeremy Horn, who is a veteran. Like he's had yeah. 180 mm. fights or something. Um, Gumby. Yes, that's that right. That was his fight name, That's Gumby. right, Gumby, yeah. Because <laughs> he looked really soft and didn't look like a fighter at all. And he, he, you know, he fought everyone in the world. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, so... Uh, it was a double armbar that uh, Elvis had beaten him with, which was incredible. It's, it's, it's a move that you'd never really see, and I don't think we've ever seen one since, actually. But um, so he got the opportunity to fight Tito Ortiz after that, which was probably not a great thing at that time because <laughs> Tito was was really high up there. And uh, but I remember the intro that they did for Elvis. So the the Tito one was after this. So they oh. Elvis, the king of rock and rumble. So they had a big like throne, and he was sitting on this <laughs> this throne, like you know, pondering his fireworks going off behind him. It was amazing. And then he came in for the for his entrance, you know. And then Tito came in, and it was like, ah, oh, it's exciting. And then Tito. <laughs> Proceeded to like, smash him, but oh. <laughs> he was doing that back then. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where's our Tito? Oh, yeah, that's retired our Tito. Is he? Yeah. Oh. oh, he was hanging on our trophy for a while. This is a yeah, he hung on there for ages. Didn't he? he was checking out. He was. The trophy, man. Yeah. <laughs> we have a uh, Tito. He's, he's my favourite fighter. Um, so it was. Uh, that's why I know that fight so well because I'd seen it a bunch of times. A bunch of times? <laughs> a lot of times. Uh, thousands. I, I, I don't know, Tito, <laughs> but I was lucky enough uh, in LA once to do a show at the Hollywood Park Casino. Now, the Hollywood Park Casino sounds fancy, mm-hmm. but it's in Inglewood. I don't know if you know where no. Inglewood is. Mm. Inglewood's in it's the it's yeah. tough side don't, of town. Don't bring your Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this, this, uh, it was a racetrack. And a casino, and it was broken down. It was disrepaired. It was almost done. And they had this fight in there. I can't think of the name of the show, but it was fantastic. I love. It was everything about LA you could imagine. <laughs> so we rock up to officiate this show, and there's some old. I think it was called Westside or some sort of rapper playing in between bouts. And the doctor I got introduced to the doctor, and he had fake hair, fake lips, <laughs> rings on every finger, and had a gun <laughs> down here. <laughs> and. Uh, but the greatest thing that happened to me on this show, I've got the poster at home, it's fantastic, was that Tito had a couple of guys fighting. Right. So he sat Cade's side, talking to his corners, and he brought his wife up, who was sitting next to me as I was judging, and it was oh. Jenna. So I was sitting oh. right beside her. I kind of just <laughs> brushed a little made bit. Made sure I brushed a little <laughs> bit. <higher. laughs> Amazing. So that, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it was. But a, the perks of being an MMA ref. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and over the years, have, have you set eyes on someone and, and kind of known pretty much straight away they're going to be a superstar? There was a kid in WLF. He's a kid. So there's a, a group over there called what were they called now? I can't even think of the name of the fight team. Anyway, there's a fellow over there who would get a, a lot of the kids from the orphanages. Mm-hmm. No parents. And he, he formed this school over there, this MMA school, and there'd be 100, 150 kids in this school. Now, if you couldn't fight, you had to clean the gym, you had to cook the food, you had to do all this stuff. So he had schooling. Half the people hated it's like him. A, like an ashram yeah, with MMA involved. But the, but the option to be in a homeless kid in China, to be in this place, you got an education, you got fed, you got somewhere to sleep, but you had to fight. Mm-hmm. And they had this young kid. Uh, bang something, I forget his name, and I thought he was going to be the next big thing to come out of China, but mm. 
He was just knocking people out weekly, weekly, every, or monthly every time we were over there. This mm. kid was a killer. Right. But uh, he never he never went went took the step that a lot of the other Chinese fighters took. He was a he was a, 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 a mountain kid, so more of a Tibetan kid. Okay, we we did end up doing three shows up in Tibet. Oh mm. wow, which was just unbelievable. Right. The first time we went up there in a bus took I don't know nine or ten hours to God. get up to Abba. And I was up there on my own. Steve didn't come to this show. Mm. And he's like, you're going to Tibet. You're going on your own, mate. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> yeah this, and it was incredible. I loved it. This this uh, show was on, sold out, 10,000 people at a, oh. at a soccer pitch outdoors. And I'm standing in the cage just looking around and there's mountains of snow and I was just went, this is the greatest thing yeah. of all time. Anyway, here? they yeah. had a local <laughs> – they wanted to give the local fighters a fight. So they had everything set up that night, the night before, and said, would you mind refereeing these local kids? It was eight fights. And so the locals could come, some that maybe they couldn't afford the ticket price or the, whatever was going to happen. So I go and start refereeing this fight and something happens uh, throughout the fight. I, I missed the whole thing. I'm in there. But apparently there's an earthquake. Oh, God. And we are all evacuated off the uh, mountain <laughs> and the show never went ahead the next night. Oh, so. oh no. But I, I was lucky enough to do the one the night before. Right. Which is great. But uh, all, all these guys they'd flown in from Japan, Korea, everyone else to fight on this big show the next night. We're all, we're all oh evacuated no. off, off the uh, mountain. Oh. And it was kind of frightening because well, they put it on buses and the army were driving us through these tunnels and I'm thinking, do I really want to be in a tunnel like all those <laughs> yeah. earthquakes going on? In the middle of – No one's going to yeah. know. But lucky enough to go <laughs> and do, do two other shows. One of the other shows was an outdoor one on this range in paddocks and they had – you would have seen the Tibetan – Horsemen that run around mm-hmm. shooting arrows and and the change rooms with those tents and <laughs> it was incredible. It was like that. Oh, oh it was wow. amazing. And these tribesmen and herdsmen and that come and sat around. It was just amazing. Thousand and I'm out in this field in in Tibet. It was really high that one up, so the altitude was quite scary. And I got there and was a bit wobbly as everyone was. And they took me to this um, restaurant or cafe, or whatever it was, where they just shaved off yak. Raw yak meat, <laughs> and it neutralizes your blood in some way oh, to yeah. get to that level. So I'm sitting there dipping this raw yak meat <laughs> in chili, and just like experiences like that, yeah. you kind of go. Back, you know, I get all this because I'm a wreck. Unbelievable, <laughs> amazing, it's amazing. Oh, you, you said you had a story about somebody's shorts. Ah, now the <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, shorts. That's not a great story, but this is this is this is. But it is a short story. <laughs> so I'm over in China for the first ever Tough House China. Okay. So they had an ultimate fighter in China. Yes. Possibly the most boring fight you could ever witness. <laughs> I didn't watch that season. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. So uh, we had Mark Collett from UK, who's a UFC judge. Um, I'm trying to think who the other guys were on it. Anyway, they there's a few guys from around the world, and we're we're in China for two months, mm-hmm. doing and we're filming every two days. But we're doing one fight every two days, right? Yeah. The rest of the time they're filming in the house, and then they get this fight together. And we just we do this fight, and it was just oh god, you know, we had to stand there and in our suits and bow and get to do everything that you had to do to look Chinese and mm-hmm. do these fights. But we we'd get back to the hotel and have a beer and go. Listen, we got to. We're going to devise a whole new scoring system here because this is boring. So <laughs> if they come out in really tight shorts, they automatically lose a point. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they've got X amount of tattoos, 
They mm. might get half a yeah. point. So we're just trying to – if their hair's really, really good, yeah, right. body tones. Um, <laughs> if they thank God, they lose straight away because oh. they're cheating. They've got God on their God's side. Yeah, so we a, had to wipe – so we just had this – But that was, that was our short thing. And, we, and a lot of times we'd go on the shorts. Well, I took it down on the shorts. So we would, oh, we, would do our, we would do our job as we were supposed to do our job. Right. And we would find the, the – Right winner for the fight. And then we'll go back to the hotel that night and have a beer and go, okay, how'd you score this one? Well, did you see the shorts? Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, how, that's how we would amuse ourselves in the. At the and, we, and, we, and would the results have changed that much uh, <laughs> against the two? Or was it yeah, pretty consistent? Most of the time. Most, yeah, of, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. most of the time. <laughs> the results would have flipped. Yeah. Yeah. Careers could have been changed forever. There's two, <laughs> there's two specific shorts moments that I remember from, from the UFC. Yeah. One is Dennis Holman. Dennis Holman, who and came the, out. And the, the baby. With the speedo, he came out in the speedo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's unfortunately junk got shown on camera. <laughs> and but Brian, Brian got a bonus for getting him off national television as quickly as possible. That's right. And then they changed the rules, and that you can't wear those sort of shorts. Well, shorts. It was, it was a speedo. It was a speedo. <laughs> he could actually fight. Dennis Holman oh, yeah. could fight. He'd been around a long time. Absolutely. He was a seasoned fighter. Yeah, he was incredible. He was yeah. he was such a good fighter. But I don't know why the hell he wore a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> and he was very – I don't yeah. know if he lost a bed or something. Well, um, but that was in the time when uh, you could have your own sponsors still. That's right. So mm, maybe he got yeah. paid a lot more than he got paid to fight to wear those stupid things on national <laughs> true. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the other short story is um, there was a Canadian – Fighter, um, I can't remember his name off the top of me. He was one of the ultimate fighter uh, guys, but he had forgotten his shorts in his, and he got there and then went to get dressed to go out to the fight and gone, I've got any shorts. And they've literally, his team's gone to the Vegas strip and just bought a pair <laughs> and he fought and the tag was still on it. <laughs> Under your point system, would that have been extra points or a point off? Well, I reckon you've got to get a point for walking in with a tag on that. I don't know why it said it was amateur hour there, right? Was, um, what were the inspectors doing? I like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it might have been true. inside to start with and then over the uh, fight. <laughs> well, I did do a fight. I did do a fight. Um, I th- whether I checked the f- checked him down or, but it was when Benson had a oh the toothpick yeah 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 mm. might have been it might have been in Korea because he's half Korean yeah he was oh, half yeah. Korean half did half, he have it in his mouth and he had it in his mouth ah and you went nah. and he's got this no no he oh. opens his mouth I couldn't see a toothpick but he had it in there yeah right and you had to hide his toothpick he, yeah <laughs> absolutely because he would always bring it out at the very end of the fight and they were yeah. like oh, he's been fighting with the toothpick in the whole night so yeah <laughs> on, on that show that Korean card was incredible that's a they love, they're bloodthirsty, the Koreans. Oh, yeah. They are there like in Australia, but they, they're louder and drink more beer. <laughs> and and uh, I had I had this fight. I was referring this fight and it was a, a Colombian guy fighting a Chinese guy, so no English between the two of them, <laughs> with an Aussie who doesn't really speak English, <laughs> refereeing it, and then a Korean doctor. Oh, I'd probably have to bring it up, but it'd be, it'd be somewhere there. Anyway, he gets picked up. <laughs> Sounds like the beginning of a joke. Eh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they walk into a cage. <laughs> they walked into a cage. Only, only one man walked out. How many men were there? <laughs> and the Korean, uh, the um, Colombian guy picks up this this Chinese guy and throws him down. And he's, I see he's posts his hand out and I see his arm just Ugh, going snap. a weird one. I think that's broken. It's no good. That's no good. Mm-hmm. And I stop the fight. Yeah. And I just could hear 
the commentators, I don't know if it was Joe or who it was, just going, what's the referee doing? And all I'm going is, please have a broken arm, please have a broken yeah, arm. I'm going to yeah. get the sack here, please have a broken arm. Mm. And I call in the doctor and I said, I think he's broken his arm. And the doctor just grabs it and didn't have a clue what I was saying. Mm. Gives it this one and this guy screams. <laughs> going, yeah, he's got a broken arm. <laughs> if he did yes. before, he yeah. does now. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's your job. Like, if you get that wrong... Yes. You potentially mm. wreck oh, this fight and everything. That's right, yeah. I mean, Herb, Herb Dean had that happen with Frank Mir and, and Tim Sylvia yeah, when he yeah. broke Tim Sylvia's oh, arm and, yeah. and nobody had picked up what had happened. It was, it was a forearm bone, which the is – The doctor waved it off. The doctor waved the fight on, sorry, and said, no, yeah. it's fine. Keep, oh, and he said, no, 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 no. Sylvia's no. going, I'm fine, I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> literally broken. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, because the same thing. The commentators were, well, I don't know why he stopped it there. But then when they got the replay and yeah. you could see like, goes, the, the two oh. pop, pop, and it's like, oh, he was right. <laughs> I think that was one of the really stand-up moments of Herb's career that might have like, actually got him that attention of, like, what a great call that was. Yeah. And, mm. and he really, really picked up on that. So, yeah. Mm. Look, in saying that, Herb, Herb is a great ref. Like, he's, he's not only a great mate of mine, but he's a, he's, I think he's a great ref. Mm. But he's still going to have a week where someone goes, you are the worst referee. And I get it all the time too. I think I've refed, last count, it was over 3,000 fights. Wow. So that's probably more than anyone in the country. Yeah. I still get emails from coaches saying, you are terrible, you don't understand the rules. <laughs> yeah. Don't know what you're doing. I've only been doing it for 17 years. I, you know, I, I've worked all around the world. I'm kind of the best you got at the moment. Yes. I thought, well, I'm all you've got at the moment. You know? <laughs> and it's only if the fighter loses that they'd be sending those emails. Generally, if they win, yeah. oh, it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. Couldn't have been better. Yeah. But you get, you're a human. You've got to make a mistake. Exactly. you got to own it. You've got to wear it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, what did you think? Get better. With the Herb Dean one, with um, Robin Lawler and Ben Askren, I thought he went out. Like, the way his arm dropped. From where I saw it, I kind of thought it was a good stop. Yeah, so did I. I thought it was a good stop. Even though um, Robbie Waller was in a um, it was a headlock. It was a, yeah, it was, it was a, like a bulldog chuck. Yeah. It was just a headlock. It was a schoolyard headlock. Mm. And, and he was fighting with his hand here, and then it was right up against the cage. His arms just completely dropped yeah, yeah. for a second, yeah. and mm. Herb stepped in, and then Robbie's like, what are you doing? I'm fine. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. But I do think he went out. Just and, for a fraction of a but second. But that happens. You do go out and then at the, the exact time that the ref stops it, you've taken that next breath through. Mm-hmm. You automatically take that next breath and you've come good again. Yes. Mm. Yeah. But you wouldn't have. That's right. If you didn't the stop it. Not stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh. The amount of times I've, I've, I've stopped fights and the guy goes, I didn't tap, I didn't tap. I go, you couldn't. You were unconscious. Like, <laughs> it's hard to tell when you're unconscious. What just stop it for? Yeah. <laughs> you've been asleep for 10 minutes. Have, have, you, have you had one set that – Afterwards, you're going, oh, yeah, I called that wrong. And, and it's eaten away at you a little bit. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And I had one of those, um, and I'll tell you who it was. It was um, Josh Coolabo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he was uh, at the guest at DFC. Yeah, there the you one go. The interview. Yeah. Yeah. And I had him the night before a DFC event. So I, I that was the last fight. Mm. I'd done that fight, and then I had to sort of block it out, go and come over and do DFC the next mm. one. This is quite some music, so pre He's fighting before – what's he been in the USC four or five years? Yes, mm. that's right. Yeah, so it was quite quite some time ago. But he uh, he, he dropped a guy with a body shot, um, a guy named Raph, Raphael Berthet. I think he also fought on – if he didn't fight on DFC, he fought on MMA Down Under. So mm-hmm. he'd been over and fought. He was a good fighter. But uh, Josh had just, just caught him with a, um, with a body shot and dropped him and he'd ran in and – Looked like he went to stomp him. No. Now, if you 
you know, you, the only legal stop is a standing standing the, foot, stop. foot stop. Yeah. So he can't do anything else. But he also grabbed the fence at the same time. Mm. So I'm looking down to go, are these, are these legal? Are these not legal? And I didn't miss the hands. And I, I stopped. Like the reason the guy was on the ground was he was dropped. He was, was the fight was over. But mm. there was, so I wish I had my time again there. Was it called the hands, the grabbing of the cage? No, I, I, I waved the fight off and called him the winner. Right, mm. but I kind of thought maybe, maybe that wasn't how it should have been. Okay, mm. yeah, but it's it's one of the toughest jobs in the world. T- you've got to, you've got a second to make that exactly. decision. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think now this is. You know, I think I'm better at it now, so I think I would handle it a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't let things beat me up so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I kind of like. I've had so many arguments and discussions with corners, coaches, promoters. Everyone else that I'm pretty comfortable in sitting here and saying I can have this debate with you on the rules, and I reckon I'm going to be better at you, mm. better mm. than you. At it. I mm. reckon I'm going to have it over you. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. <laughs> so many times I've I've sent emails back to somebody who's complained, and I said, at any time you want me to come down to your gym and educate your coaches and your fighters on what we're looking for, or or what we're seeing, or how it's going to affect this round by what you're doing. I'm more than happy to come down and do that. Mm-hmm. No one's ever followed it up. Of course not. Mm. No, that's right. Mm. It's on my time. I was going to prepare to do it for free. I'll drive down to your gym and I'll say, this is what we're looking for. Yeah, if you're saying, hey, no, nah, just do this, do this. No, don't do that because mm. that's not going to win you the fight. Mm. So you're one of the few people that get this real helicopter view of the sport and get to basically see what everybody's up to. So what's impressing you at the moment about the state of MMA as you look around the country? Who's doing the right things? And There's uh, some great promoters out there at the moment. There's a couple of new ones that are doing great things. Um, I really like – there's a little show in, in Melbourne called Bushido Fight Night. Mm-hmm. It's a guy by, uh, by a guy named Dennis Kelly. Now, Dennis Kelly used to fight in those CFC shows mm-hmm. all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Lovely guy. Thinks about <laughs> – whoa. <laughs> thinks – yeah, puts fighters first and puts on a great show. Uh, I really like that show called Salt. Yeah. I think um, – Wayne's doing a fan, fantastic and is job. That, with is that a demolition. big show or is it? They're a, not big shows. They're not huge shows. So what impresses you about something like Salt, for instance? Uh, just the way it's set up, the way the contact they have with officials, the mm-hmm. contact they have with their fighters, just little things. You just see little things that you go, I actually care here. Yeah. You know, they've got, uh, and Demolition are fantastic at it. There's a show called Demolition. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't probably be naming shows for who's. I'm not oh, trying to compare. Oh, you're not saying anybody's doing anything bad. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but he does a fantastic job. Demolition's got great marketing. It looks fantastic. And he, great he branding. Actually, but he's, he really cares about everybody who's involved in his show. Mm-hmm. To the to the kid that's wiping the blood off the floor. To the you know he'll he'll send a message out and saying, "Hey guys, uh, be here by five o'clock. We're going to provide dinner for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll just you can just go there things, early. You can have yeah. some dinner." Brush your teeth and get ready for the show, you know. Mm. Just does little things you go, wow. It makes mm. a difference. You know, I've worked on the UFC. I've done probably 20-plus UFCs mm. and there's quite often you don't get looked after anything like you do mm. on a little local show like that and you go, this is why I love this sport. Right. Mm. People are doing it right. Yeah, they actually care about the fighters, you know, mm. Mm. Which, I, which is where we have to go. We have no choice. That's the, that's, that's the, dis, the direction we have to go in. We have to care. Mm. Absolutely. I did see a kid fight on Hex a few weeks ago who lost um, and he fights out of uh, Joe Lopez's gym, Volkanovski's mm-hmm. gym, mm-hmm. and he was pretty pretty impressive. So I'm interested to watch his next couple of fights. But he's – I mean he lost the fight and the, he fought Khan Offley who's a, who's a monster. Mm. 
and had an answer for everything. But this kid was reckless, which I kind of like in MMA. Yeah. Mm. Reckless, but it got him caught in the end. Mm. Um, but maturity will sort of get him, but he's got some got some tricks. And they've okay. got that Falcon Oxy uh, footwork. Yes. All that, all that gym, just good to watch. Yeah, that's right. It's so interesting to see the evolution of technique and styles and what works. You know, certain things will take over for a little while and then a counter will sort of start to be developed and you yeah. see – you know, I mean, UFC 1993 was when it started and you saw the progression. I mean, jiu-jitsu was, was dominating everything to start with. No one knew what it was. Yeah. And then the rest Plus you could wear your goo, you could choke people. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Just take the belt off. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's happening, the biggest shift for me is that even those early shows that we were officiating back in Sydney was you'd have this, this guy's from Thai boxing, this guy's from mm. – Yes. Whereas now – Slap Slap fighting. Yeah. <laughs> These kids are just MMA kids. That's right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They learned all their jiu-jitsu in an MMA gym. They That's right. They all their striking in an MMA gym and it's different. Boxing boxing for boxing is different mm-hmm. than boxing for MMA. Definitely. Yeah. You, you, you're not thinking about just your head and your body because someone's going to take your legs off you. They're going to shoot on you. Like it's – That's right. So you're watching these kids who are – and they're Googling stuff. Mm. Mm. I'll, I'll have a roll around with a kid. What's that? Oh, I – I found it on YouTube. It's a twister what? or something. Is it some <laughs> sort of inverted heel walk yeah. or yeah. YouTube Fight Club? That's right. But it, it's it's so exciting to have seen that progression. And as you were saying, you know, it was uh, it was illegal in in a lot of states in Australia. And then it was like because when I had seen the UFC, and it was like, oh, this is amazing, and it's this you know, American sport. And it was it was only DVDs that you could hire yeah. from the shop. It was VHSs. Like, there was, and you had to wait months for them to come out after the yeah. event and. Um, I was so excited for this sport and it was like no one else knew what it was. No one you know, it was like, the, what, the, what is it? And uh, But then seeing like it start to creep and start to find its its feet and it's like, oh, this is – it's starting to get there. And when you know, even when New York got sanctioned finally, and, yeah. you know, it was just those little things that started pushing it and then they got the order of fires happening and then they were coming to Australia. It's, oh, they're, they're coming to Australia. we got to go. And, you know, UFC 110 in Sydney and everyone who was a UFC fan in the country was there and – as I said yeah. from the very first fight, it was uh, the whole stadium was packed, and you know everyone's got their own shirt with their favourite fighter, and it's like oh, uh, it was such an amazing uh, growth to have seen it, and it's interesting now to see that people that are you know, younger that are getting into it, that they, they don't realise that it was that growth that happened. They sort of are seeing an established organisation and everything that that is already there and already set up. Um, and even if they want to get into MMA, oh, just look up an MMA club. There was no MMA clubs. <laughs> there was none of it at all. You'd be lucky to find jiu-jitsu. You'd be lucky to find any kind of grappling apart from, well, you'd have wrestling, but, you know, they weren't looking to, to do MMA. And yeah, there, was, was, there was – I think there was a couple of guys rolling around in a shed here in Adelaide many, many, many years ago. But that first MMA show we had, we had guys like Nick Hughes fight on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kane Galing and guys like this who now have their own jiu-jitsu clubs around Melbourne. They're, mm. they're kind of veterans of the sport these yeah. days. But they were just prepared to go, let's have a fight. Yeah, mm. yeah. None of them were really – Dylan Opitz, I think, fought on the first or second oh, yeah. MMA Down Under show. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was saying last week, you know, Rich Franklin, who was uh, the champion in the UFC, and he was training in his shed with his mates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's where it was. That's Learn, where it started. Learning out of books. That's right. Yeah, and and I remember getting uh, who was it? One of the instructors. He was a math teacher. 
That's right. He was. Yeah, that's right. Masters in education he had. <laughs> and also masters in beating the crap out of people yeah. in the cage. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was a good fighter. Yes. Yes. I think Anderson Silva sort of took his soul a little bit. On, know, a, on a couple of occasions. He did, yeah. His nose uh, was ended up on the other side of his face. So. I think it kind of finished him. Did he have one or two fights after that? Yeah, he did all right. He, he, ended up, he retired after getting knocked out by Kung Lee. Uh, oh, is that what it was? Yeah, but he did knock out Chuck Waddell with a broken arm. Yeah, no right. yeah. Mm. But so. everyone towards the end knocked out Chuck Waddell. <laughs> Sadly. A stiff breeze was knocking out Chuck <laughs> Sadly, because he was a fantastic guy. Yeah. But as you were saying, Rick, that you like that reckless style and, and so does the crowd and he had, you know, he was so aggressive with his striking and, and yeah. so, um, you know, got into those wars and eventually the – But it's know, evolved so much now. Like that style of fighting doesn't work anymore. That's right. You're mm. going to get tagged. Yep. You're going to get caught really early. So That's right. Watching it evolve like it has been mm. fantastic. I'm lucky I was there at an infant stage and I yes. watched it grow. And Yeah. Hopefully I'm going to watch it grow in the next 20 years and I'm just going to sit there and drink beers and watch it. Huh? And, and, and how, do you, how do you think it will evolve in the next 20 years? Hopefully it's hopefully it's not going to go more showbiz. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's going to really focus on on athletes and great fighters. So you're not really hopeful after the WWE merger, no. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the Undertaker to come out under the cage during a fight with a steel yeah. chair. <laughs> I mean, I, I I read this morning hasn't Diaz been offered a fight with uh, Jake Paul now? Is it, yes. it's, it's on. It's on. Is it so boxing or is it MMA? It's boxing. Okay. And good luck to him for making yeah. the money, but it's just. I'm not interested in circus fights. I just, I just like fights. That's why I'm more, more than happy to watch some kids in a, in a, you know, a little amateur show just going for it, mm. trying this, working, working their game. They've mm. been training in the gym for X amount of years. I want to test my skills against someone. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I that's love that. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what do you think about the, the, those YouTube celebrities that are they are basically making sports like boxing more popular again in a lot of a lot of respects? It is. Look, they are, and and same with footy players who are jumping in and fighting each other. And mm, yeah, Barry at Hall. least people are, people are kind <laughs> yeah. of watching boxing, and so hopefully we're going to have some real quality. We've got quality boxers. Mm-hmm. I, what I feel sorry for is is that there's a heavyweight kid who's been busting his ass in the gym, but he's got no name. He never played footy or never played rugby league, and mm. he's just not getting on those cards. That's mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. I I feel for those kind of guys, but. On the other hand, there's guys like, say, a Paul Gallon who's made millions and millions of dollars out of boxing and mm. good luck to him. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan of that kind of boxing. Like I'm just not a fan of the celebrity fights. Right. I just like a good, honest fight. Yeah. Mm. Do you have an mm. all-time favourite fighter? Oh, look, that's a really hard thing to say. Who's um, your favourite? <laughs> <laughs> I've got guys that I really admire as fighters yep. and, and I like their styles. And your favourite is? <laughs> Like if there was only one. <laughs> can we just narrow it down? Yeah. Well, you can have a few people, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Guys who I admire as fighters and I like their style, I really liked, um, I really like the way Dan Hooker fights. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I think I like the way he's, he's fought because I remember him as a kid and, and doing his early fights in AFC, mm-hmm. first big show in Melbourne, and he became he became a two-time champion in the AFC. Right. So I loved watching his – I guess I just loved watching his progress. I refereed Volkanovski in the AFC to his first loss. He fought at welterweight. He fought oh. Corey Nelson. Oh. His only loss up until, up until his last fight. He's yeah. the only fight he ever lost. Right. So just watching him come through was good. Um, Izzy used to fight in that show in, in China that we did. Oh. So, and then – 
he came out and they had a fight on AFC and a fight on Hex, which I did both of those fights mm. before he went into the UFC. So just watching those guys go through was great. But one guy who I just loved fighting as a fighter was Carlos Condit. Oh, yes. Just, he just didn't come – he just came with bad intentions. That's like right. I'm in a fight and I'm, whatever happens to me happens, but I'm just going to fight you. Yeah. Like, I love that mindset. Yeah. How did mm. you score his Nick Diaz fight? Um, I'd have to. I'd have to – Go back and have a look as you can, to be honest right. What was his shorts like? <laughs> <laughs> what, did he have enough tattoos? He always had good shorts and good tattoos <laughs> and good hair. He always yeah. had good hair. That's right. <laughs> well, that, that's what was interesting because he did have that really aggressive style and he'd just come off a, a big knockout of um, Dong Gung Kim, Kim yep. the stun gun. Um, Carl's Connett, I think, flying kneed him in the face and, and completely KO'd him and then he had this fight against Nick Diaz and everyone's thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing because – you know, uh, obviously Nick Diaz is very aggressive, comes at you the entire fight. But uh, Carlos Condit uh, used the stick and move strategy yeah. to great effect and, and he was able to use his footwork and, and land a punch and get away. Land a punch, get away. They'd clinch for a bit he'd get away, get away, get away. You can see Diaz getting very frustrated, yeah. <laughs> walking, like getting annoyed. <laughs> um, but I, I had scored it for, for Condit 1, 2 and 5. But um, there was, for years this has been arguments on the forums that uh, Nick Diaz, oh, no, he been there. So, yeah, but I've <laughs> – it's, I don't know, it just pops up for me. When, whenever yeah. you say Condit, I'm like, that's well, right there. <laughs> he's just one of those fighters. Of, he, he almost had George's that time. Mm. Yes, and he we, did. The head mm, kick. Yeah. It was so close. Yes. Yeah. So I just admired him. as a, I've never met him. I don't know him, but I just I liked watching him fight. He, mm. he was one guy that you know he would pay and go, I want to watch this guy fight. He's, yes. he's entertaining. Always entertaining. Yeah. But he's entertaining as a fighter. He's not a smack talker. He's not a mm-hmm. circus guy. He's just an entertaining fighter, and that's what I like. I like entertaining fighters. He was he was a fighter to the like to the bones. And I remember that one event he had uh, it was like a pre a press conference or something, and they they usually dress in a suit. <laughs> this suit that he was wearing, it looked like it was from the op shop. <laughs> It wasn't his sort of thing. And then he must have been told, you got to wear a suit. Oh, all right. <laughs> the suit was hanging off here and the tides hanging yeah, down. Yeah, good on him. <laughs> good on him. And one guy who I did come to admire, and, and uh, this is because he took the referee course in Los Angeles uh-uh. and I got to spend three days. Can I guess? I, can I guess? Josh Barnett? No. Ah. And I got to roll with him. Um, and after the – after the course finished, uh, we all got together, myself, Herb, and a few other boys, and we, we just met at the gym and had a roll. And it's probably, you know, 20 minutes of his life he'll never get back rolling against me. Like, <laughs> it was no good, but I didn't care. I was just going to roll with him. But it was Chris Lieben. Oh, oh yes. Remember Chris Lieben. Now, he, yes. was, he was a guy that just oh, yeah. wanted, wanted to fight. That's right. Mm. Crazy. Yeah, he just wanted to knock anybody out. He was, uh, he was crazy. But um, yeah. I, I loved getting on the mat and rolling around with him because I'd known – what he'd already done to other people, and I thought, well, he can snap me in half whenever he wants, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and put yeah. some stuff on you here, see what yeah. happens. How did, it, how did it go for the role for the session? Well, as I said, it's 20 minutes of his life, <laughs> <laughs> a waste of, waste, complete waste of his time. <laughs> I met him in, in Vegas. Um, uh, my honeymoon was was in <laughs> Las Vegas, and there was just happened to be a UFC on at the same oh, time wow. in the casino that we were staying in. Um, but he was fighting on that card. That was uh, he fought Akiyama. Oh yeah. yeah, sexy Yama, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he. I think he'd he'd won a fight like two weeks prior, and then Akiyama's opponent had dropped out, and they gave 
Chris the call up and said, hey, you want to put the pizza and beer down and come back and go again? He's like, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, him at the uh, open workouts and all. And, uh, yeah, but he ended up winning that fight as well with the triangle in yeah. the third round. And it wasn't even fully locked. He had, like, his toes were hanging on. <laughs> it wasn't, like, locked in like this. He was, like, he was sitting like this and it was, like, three toes, I think, was the amount of pressure he, he had. <laughs> but he, he got the tab, so. Good on him. Yeah. He's, he's a pretty good ref. He went out and started reffing some local shows and doing yeah. some stuff. But I think – I don't know what he's doing now, but he, I think he went and signed with Bare Knuckle. And mm. Yes, he did, yeah. that. So I don't know if there's a conflict there or he can still stay involved. I'm not sure. But he was he was, he was, was a nice guy and, he mm. was, you know, he wasn't great. He, he had some learning difficulties at school. He couldn't really write. He couldn't really read. Mm-hmm. And we took all that into, into – uh, like we took it all in and went, well, you know, we know – this is Chris Lieberman. We know – we don't have to do the technique test really with you because mm-hmm. we can just Google you, you know. Yes. We know that you know what's going on. Mm. But he, he busted his ass to get through it and, and he got he got approved and went out and started doing some local camo shows, which is the amateurs over there. And mm-hmm. We had Frank Frank um Frank Trig Oh, Trig. Go through it as well. Yeah. Frank was good. Oh, uh, Twinkle Toes. Yeah. Worst nickname in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he was one of the first guys to paint his toenails, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, him and Chuck. Chuck Liddell used to do Yes, and Rashad Evans uh, and Keith Jardine. I think he did it for a bit as well. Yeah, and it became a thing. It was very yeah. weird. And they used to pinch their nipples before they'd fight. It was, that, that was, was also that was a weird Keith thing. Did that, didn't Keith he? did that, I think he, what did he go on to do? He ended up making movies or he's something. He's been in some movies, yeah. I saw him in one the other day. But, yeah, he's doing. Uh, doing well in the acting world, so it's great to see that. The Dean of Mean, Keith Dean Jardine. Mean, Keith Jardine. <laughs> <laughs> he always came to fight too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, knocked out Forrest Griffin. Yeah. Um, he, he beat Chuck Liddell. Uh, Rampage. Uh, yes. Yeah. So he had some amazing fights uh, yeah. in the UFC, and I think he was the first guy to sort of end Chuck's big streak. Uh, yeah, right. It was a decision, um, and the fight wasn't great, but um, he did knock Chuck down in one of the rounds, and, and everyone was He's doing it. He's a big it. guy. Yeah, absolutely. I did a seminar with him in uh, in Los Angeles once uh, with Greg Jackson. Oh, great. So I just attended. I didn't do it with him. I just yeah. turned up and went, I'm going to learn some stuff here. Nice. Um, that, that's going to lead into something, another stupid thing that I've done <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> so this happens during COVID and I get a call from this woman who's a casting agent. Mm-hmm. This is talking about the movie stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, listen, I was giving you a number. I need some – Sort of, she gave me a description of these guys. We're shooting this film called, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, it's on Channel 9 now, I think, called La Brea. There's I a, haven't. No. There's a sinkhole opens up in Los Angeles and these people fall down to it and go to this other world. Right. Huh. Yeah, I didn't think you'd do it. But, no, you know, no. I know you know, but they spent millions on it. They got mm. millions for the show. And she said, we need some guys to be guards of this tribe that have been down there for 10,000 years. So we need some kind of rough-looking heads. Mm. They've got to be a certain size, a certain age and, and she said, I thought you might be able to help me. And this mm. is during COVID and they had permits to film this thing during COVID, this American production. Mm. And it was good money. Yeah. And uh, so I run around the gym that night before everything's locked up and I get ten blokes' heads and I take photos and tell them what it's about and I send it to all this woman who I've never met. Mm-hmm. And she says, what about you? I said, I do not tick one box. <laughs> Old, <laughs> ugly, skinny, nothing. That's what we're, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> she said – just throw it in. Um, you sound like my type. Because, because <laughs> that'll just be another head. <laughs> um, I read the brief of what she wanted and I didn't tick one box, but you guys may remember um, Ricky Beaton. He fought on on a show over here. He fought Brando. 
Okay. In an MMA fight over here. Mm-hmm. Right. Big Grando Percy when yeah, he was yeah, fighting yeah. MMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ended up becoming the eternal heavyweight champ. Right. Ah. Yep. Um, Ricky did. And I don't know Ricky. I've reffed him a few times. I don't know him. But I just went, God, this guy's a perfect mm-hmm. fit for this role. So mm-hmm. I just tracked him down and said, hey, listen, mate, i got this weird call at the gym. <laughs> Do you want to take a photo? Can you take a photo of yourself and send me your measurements? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he did so. And I sent him in. Anyway, the next day this woman phones back. She sends it back to America. comes back. She goes, um, they're really interested in Ricky. And you. Wow. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Going, yeah, I don't know about this. Anyway, she said, can you do a um, a screen test? Because of COVID, we couldn't go in and do screen tests, so we had to do it on a phone from mm. home or right. an iPad from home. And they sent us a heap of questions, and it was the easiest question in the world. Would you guys all would have got this gig? They just said, what would you do if somebody threatened your family in your home? Mm. A stupid question tick, to ask people on. like us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I think me and Ricky answered <laughs> in a similar manner, and they go, hmm. They want to hire you. They want to have your contracts. You guys are going to be the temple guards of this. Oh, there you go. This show. So we go in and I haven't really met Ricky at all. So we turn up to this costume fitting day and we're in uh, rags and bear skins and we've got bow and arrows (laughs) and – because he's a big guy, Ricky, with dreadlocks and he just looked perfect. I'm just an old skinny dude with no hair. (laughs) But they dressed me up and they put a scar across my head and under here and – Sort of stuff. Anyway, our job is to. Um, do you remember um, what's that, that movie with Mel Gibson and they're going away to join, the very very early one, Chariots of Fire? Chariots oh, of Fire? No, uh, um, no, not Gallipoli. Uh, no, no, Gallipoli. no, no, no. I was Gallipoli. Gallipoli. Gallipoli, the blonde guy, the the mm-hmm. handsome blonde yeah, guy, yeah. Mel Gibson. Well, mm-hmm. a handsome blonde guy who's an old guy now, still handsome. <laughs> um, he was kind of the old man of this tribe and we were sort of his protector. Oh, yeah. So we just – and they'd built this this uh, ancient village out the back of Geelong in the Yu Yangs. <laughs> um, I don't even know if I can find a photo of it, which you can't see on, on a podcast, but I will show you just so I can put you in the picture. Anyway, myself and Ricky – You're going to have to send it over so we can edit it. Yeah. <laughs> myself and Ricky turn up to this thing and uh, and we end up – yeah, we end up in this, this series that – it goes on and we're stabbing people and we're <laughs> holding it. We're fighting um, uh, saber-toothed tigers and awesome. it was just the most bizarre thing and getting paid really well for it. Anyway, <laughs> it, it gets enough money to get a second season and they phone us up and, say, and ask us back. So we've just oh, done fantastic. two so, seasons. This is now an ongoing this gig? Is on now. No, no, it just got it got cancelled. Uh, the mm. third season got the money but they've moved the location. So, uh. so we're off and so Ricky cut his hair off. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to find you this photo just to just so this can all tie in together. Well, well, whilst you're looking for the photo, I'm, I'm going to ask you some of the. This is some of the um the, the big the big. <laughs> if I could come up with five questions quickly, I'd do a fast five. Oh, there you go. This is fantastic. You have to send that over to us. We, 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 we'll put that on the screen <laughs> yeah. for everybody so that they can see that. That is cool. That is That's amazing. awesome. Maybe Ricky might not want it, but it was uh, <laughs> It was a very funny uh, few weeks worth of work. Got me through COVID. Nice one. We weren't, we weren't flying around the world doing uh, fight shows. I was yeah. running around. On, on a, movie sets. In a, in a, for in Hollywood a, Productions. In a, in a cow skin <laughs> and a spear. Yeah. I, I also, um, they phoned me up. There was a new tribe or something arrived and <laughs> – that's what I get on. I got another boy from Absolute. Um, I can't think who I go. Anyway, I'll think who it was. But there was mm. a bunch of, and they had these. The funniest thing they had these stunt guys on there that were supposed to coordinate some fight scenes, and which uh, that doesn't work. 
That's not going to work. That's not real. That's not work. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I've got a conspiracy theory that maybe the sport of MMA was just invented so you could have a really cool life. <laughs> 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 and that you may have invented it. Um, <laughs> Um, it's been fun for me. That's so, for sure. so here's a couple of the, the big, the serious. This is the serious part of the podcast. Um, so, uh, so there a buzzer? There is a buzzer. I'll, I'll give you a yes or no. Should should there be should no. yes or no? Uh, no. Should there be a limit to how many hugs a fighter should have before they enter the cage? <laughs> That's a good point. Should there be a hug limit, or should there be uh, maybe points taken off? The judge, yeah, judges should be off. watching. From the time that the hugs begin, <laughs> that's a that's a tough one, <laughs> and the answer is uh, no. I can't give you the yes or no answer on this. That's a tough one because we're in it's South. It's a grey area because we're in South Australia, and they like a hug in South Australia, don't they? <laughs> and when those cardiac flex, cardiac flex boys walk out, there's about thirty of them <laughs> following out. And they have to hug everyone. It's a hug train. It's a hug train. Yeah. So, well, are, like, are, you, are you are you for or against the hug train? Do you do you no, feel I, it's better for the fighter? Or? I, I, I'm happy. For them, I, I, I actually say it. I say, take off your shirt, hug up your team. Right. Yep. Yeah. Say goodbye. The, the, the instructions. Yep. Say Look, goodbye. So do they think they have to do it now because you're telling them? Well, you yeah. can do whatever you want, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> off they go. Go away. Now you're ours. And yes. there you come back. Vash you up. Yeah. And away you go. Go to work, yeah. Have you thought about vaseline them up and then giving them – Back to their team. <laughs> they all get Vaseline all over their clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Israel had a signer on the weekend who just fought. And, and yeah, same thing. He hugged everyone on the way to the – I was like, just get in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe when it gets to UFC level, there should be some kind of hug limit. Maybe, maybe. But, uh, uh, I think so, he hugged the referee even. Uh, <laughs> do, do, question two. Question two. Uh, gloves. Gloves or no gloves, do you think? For MMA? For MMA. Well, gloves, initially there was no gloves. Mm. So UFC, there was no gloves. Mm. They were brought in to stop the hand injuries, yep. not to stop the head injuries. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with a four-ounce glove because mm. it still means you can play your game. You can still grapple, you can still grab, you can still do what you have to do. So I'm, I'm happy with them. They want to take them off. I mean, this bare-knuckle thing I thought initially was going to be a bit of a circus, mm. but it's actually pretty good Yeah, to they're watch. doing pretty well. Yeah, and if you do get tagged, you're generally done. Mm. It's not like a big... Boxing glove where you get tagged, you drop down, they stand there and watch you while your brain injury is starting to occur and they say get up and go again. Yeah, well, you go again. It doesn't again. happen. So, yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to see where it goes. What about the, the new style of glove that they've brought in um, or that they've, the, the UFC hasn't adopted it, but instead of having the the fingers that you can move freely, it's sort of curved a little bit yeah. to try to prevent the eye pokes from, you know, when they're trying yeah, to yeah. get distance, they can't actually extend their fingers completely. So John Jones well, will be screwed. Well, they, <laughs> they can they can extend their fingers, but there's still a shell over the top there. Right. So yes. To do. Yeah, I think they're good. Yeah. Mm. But, and, and this final question might be the most controversial and leave you never to be on a UFC card ever again. But <laughs> slap. What's your what's your feelings on slap? God. <laughs> slapping in MMA or the slap fence? No, the slap, slap, the, fighting, the slap thing. fighting. Slapping in MMA, I'm fine with. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah, that's on, because they can defend themselves. Stock and, and slap. That's a, but that's on you. If you want to mount someone and slap them, that's on you. You can. Mm. I mean, a, a, a kid asked me that question. So if I mount him, can I slap him? I said, that's up to you. Mm. Yeah. You know, can I call him a bitch? Mm-hmm. That's unsportsmanlike conduct. Mm. You just need to slap him. Mm. That's yeah. what I say to him. <laughs> um, this slap, I just don't get it. I don't know. I 
and how it's, was it a sport? Was it a I hobby? Don't know Whose hobby is it to get slapped in the face? I like, can't believe it's a thing, mm. and I'm so disappointed that Dana White jumped on it. Everything that you learn as a martial artist, if someone's going to hit you, you try to get something between their fist and mm. your face. Mm. That's just basic rule number one. And even if you're not good at it, if you go, oh shit, and you don't get hit in the face and it hits your arm, you've had a win. Yes. Mm. So I kind of like, why is, why is this a thing? Mm. Why do you, I mean, generally the guy goes first wins, doesn't it? Pretty much. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it, it seems, well, to me, it, it seems counterintuitive to, to have a have a sport where, and you can see the disappointment in, in the, the first lapper <laughs> if he doesn't knock the other yeah. guy out. It's like, oh, fuck, oh, no, yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. what's going on. Now I'm going to get slapped. But, and, they're, and they're literally holding their hands behind their back. It, it, it just seems a little bit wrong to me. But uh, it, it'd, be, it'd be better maybe if they slapped each other at the same time. But, but, I'm also, <laughs> but I'm also conscious that there was a time there people kind of were cringy about MMA in the same way. And, and uh, you know, so is this a sport that's got potential to evolve, or is it just a, a flash in the pan that maybe shouldn't have been in the pan to begin with? But you, but you always had an opportunity to defend yourself in mm. MMA, mm. You know, and MMA was came about from different styles. Who's got the best style? Yes. Yeah. Then the style evolved into MMA, and it's still evolving today. I mean, the rules have changed mm-hmm. so much yes. since since the first lot of rules. Yeah, they yeah. had to have X amount of rules to get them sanctioned in certain states. Mm. Some of them were crazy, you know, grabbing the clavicles. Anyone ever tap from grabbing a clavicle? <laughs> <laughs> you know. No, he changed that rule a few years ago. They need like, to change that bloody downward elbow one, though. It's the twelve it, to six thing. It, it is crazy because you can elbow anywhere you yeah. want, but you can't do that. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. I think some. I think the, the the idea behind where that came in was some commissioner or somebody um, who was running the rules had seen somebody breaking through blocks of ice yeah. in that with that thing, and they're like, "Oh, well, that's." If they can do that, <laughs> those pre-cut still, pieces of wood. Still, yeah, we can break the same things up. or de- like Exactly. It makes no sense. That, that rule, I'm amazed it's still in there, actually. And mm. that, that John Jones, he's only lost is because of that. Yeah. Steve mm. Mazzagatti was the one. That, would you have called that? Well, I'm not here to criticise another rep. No, that's fair. <laughs> well, if you were in that situation, though, would you, would, you have, would you have called that as a 12 to 6 elbow against Mark Hamill, Matt Hamill in that? A situation, Mark Hamill from, from Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, how would it go if he was a Star Wars? He had a lightsaber. Yeah. Steve, Steve had a few moments, didn't he? Mazagardi had a few. Moments oh man, in his he was bad. Actually, somebody who, who has improved a lot. Uh, Dan Mergliotta. I think he yeah, has he has yeah. gotten a lot better. He was one of the worst when he started. He made so many mistakes. There were so many things, and and every time he would be announced as a referee, I was like, oh no! I think no, he was. No. A, I think he was a boxing ref. Did he come from a boxing? I think so. Yeah, yeah, but he poked somebody in the eye in the stare down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the both fighters called them to the middle. He's like, any questions from you? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, but he has improved a lot. He's doing well. But uh, yeah, John McCarthy obviously was was incredible. Um, in, in those first couple of UFCs, he said like I didn't have, I couldn't no, do no, anything. No. I couldn't, I couldn't stop the fight. I couldn't no. do nothing. No, no, no. Well, you could, you could hit groin shots. You could do whatever. Yeah. You know, it was mm. all pretty. Yeah, he was in there for decoration. That's right, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, he, he literally couldn't even stop the fight. I think in Jason the first Herzog's couple. a really good ref. He is. Yeah, he yeah. is great. Yeah, there's a couple of really good ones. Um, uh, there was Mazagadi was terrible, yeah. <laughs> and every time that he got. You know, any fight, it was like, oh no, this is he. He was the the defining factor in the fight a lot of the times, and it was like, yeah. this isn't how it should be. The official, as you said, should be if if 
if you didn't notice anything the official did, he did a great job. Mm. I like Leon Roberts. I reckon he's a good yeah. ref. Yeah, absolutely. There's some really good. Who was um, the Asian guy that used to do this heart symbol? Um, was it Mario or something? Um, Yamazaki. Yamazaki. Yes, he he did well sometimes at the very start, and then he just seemed to get worse and worse, <laughs> and and he let some fights go for ages. The guy was out for like twenty seconds. The other dude's <laughs> yeah. punching the crap out of him, and it's like he's looking. Like, stop yeah. the fight, dude. <laughs> my, my concern with all that stuff, and it's it's a concern in football and it's, and it's raised its head in football, is that at some stage, and this is my concern, is that I'm going to get a phone call from mm-hmm. a parent or from a lawyer mm-hmm. saying, hey, my son uh, can't spell his last name anymore mm-hmm. and you refed his fight 15 years ago mm-hmm. and let it go too long. Mm-hmm. We're coming after you. Yeah, yeah. This is my concern because these, these CTE issues coming up in – Football, rugby, mm-hmm. soccer, mm-hmm. Yep. all these sports are a real thing now. They're suing doctors. They're suing clubs. They're wow. suing – so at what point are they going to come after? I'm going to have insurance for that. I'm also appointed by the government because I'm certified to be there. So maybe I don't need to so say you need to go after them. They appointed me. Mm-hmm. I've got the qualifications to be yes. there. Yep. I don't know. There's going to be some finger pointing. So mm. we really need to have a look at at what stage do we stop fights. Mm. What, yeah. You know, you'd be, you would be – Surprised at the amount of people that in a rules money come to me and go, if I'm getting beaten on me, don't stop it. I want to die in there. Like I want to yeah. get out of my son. Mm, I just, no, I've heard it a hundred times. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but my job is to make sure you're alive. That's right. Mm, you know? yeah. You'd rather stop it too soon than too late. But yeah. you're going to cop it. You're going to cop it. So just bear in mind, and I've done it at the highest level where I've, people have said, you've stopped it too early. Mm. Mm. There's so many people that would look at what you're doing as a, as a role and going, oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, I'd love to get in the cage and yeah. be the referee and it'd be amazing. Yeah, we get to do – and the big high-profile fights and you don't see all the other things that come no. with it. And, and, and generally what, what happens – and you know, I could pull some up online where I've stopped a fight and someone said that's too early. Like it's, it's just too early. And I go, well, it's too early if you may be watching this – Six seconds mm-hmm. of the end of the fight. Mm-hmm. If you watch the three minutes in the first round, mm-hmm. where he's had three concussions, he's been dropped three times, and I'm just went. That's enough. He's yeah. he's kind of not all there. I'm yeah. stopping it not because of that point, but he's had enough. I've seen everything that he's absorbed up until then, mm-hmm. and he doesn't need. He's not. He's, he's not there anymore. Like mm-hmm. he's not reacting like he should. So I'm going to stop this fight. Mm-hmm. And some people go, well, no, he had his hands up. He was this, you know. Yeah. What's the whole fight? That's right. Watch everything that happened up to that point mm. because it changes things. I, I, uh, I only ever – and this is a – he never mentioned my name, but Dana, after a fight in Japan, mm-hmm. I refed um, – he was a big – it was a big-name guy. He was a co-main event, I think. Uh, Gokan. Oh, uh, yeah. Saki. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, kickboxing champion. world champion. And remember, they gave him that fight, and and I refed his debut fight against. Mm. Uh, didn't he get knocked out? He didn't get knocked out. Oh, okay. So there was another kickboxer with a big name came in as a big. Quick, oh, sorry, I didn't interrupt. Yeah. No. <laughs> so anyway, in in the, in this fight, I, I stopped this fight. He fought uh, Henrik, the some big Brazilian guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he gets dropped and he goes down. And I just went, "That's it. It's done." But if you watch. The whole round of the first round, he gets dropped three times before it gets to that point. Right, like yeah. I possibly could have stopped it one one uh, knockdown prior. One knockdown mm. prior to that. So anyway, I copped it from everywhere. I got death threats from Brazil. <laughs> I got family threats wow. from Brazil. You, wow. Yeah, you get some nasty stuff after that because he was the hero of Turkey. Mm. I think he was. I think he was born in Turkey, but he was 
fighting out of Holland. You know, those okay. Dutch kickboxers. Yeah, Ernesto Houston. Yeah. yeah. So I was copping it from everywhere. Um, but Dana thankfully came out and said, whoever thought that was a bad stoppage, please don't ever apply to me to be a referee. And I kind of went, is that a pat on the back or what's going on here? Yeah, that, that, he didn't that's actually mention my name saying anything, but he tweeted it and I went, I think he's, I think he's patting me on the back. That's, the, yeah. that's high press from Very the, only, the highest praise you can get from Dana with refereeing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and do, do you think that like referees should be in MMA should be offered the same protection as perhaps umpires are in AFL, for instance, where they, they really are beyond reproach, uh, apart from maybe in the sphere of the media, but the, those actually involved in the sport, the players and the coaches, aren't really afforded the opportunity to to criticise the the officials in any real way. Look, I, it's a funny one, and I get emotions are big in the sport. So at that point in time, I've had coaches yell at me or a fighter. And I just go, he's emotional. I'm going to give him his moment. And generally, most people will come and apologise. Mm. We'll go, yeah, I've had to think about it. Like, I was out of line. I mm. shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have said that. Or I've looked at the vision mm. and you were right. Mm-hmm. You got it right. Mm. So I kind of don't mind it too much. I've been around a long time, so I've got a pretty thick skin. And I'm, as you know, I'm pretty happy to stand and have my argument or my debate with any of the coaches or any of the fighters. But should you need to? No, you shouldn't have to. But I, I even say to rules, meaning if anyone has any issues – with a judging or a referee's uh, decision, feel free to come and speak to us at the end of the night and we'll do everything we can to answer your question because I want the sport to get better. I want them to understand why that happened that way. Mm. Yeah. If you're going to threaten me and you want to kill me, that's a different story. Mm. But if you're unhappy about a decision, I get it. Yeah. And the only way we're going to get better at this is by educating these people. Mm. You'd be surprised. In fact, here, it wasn't that long ago, it was at a, um, a Diamondback, uh, one of the amateur shows mm-hmm. at um, Golden Grove. Golden Grove, yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah. Yep. Last year, the one before, was a couple, but Alex was here. Volkanovski was here oh, with the team, mate. I don't know if you remember uh, the one. It might have been the one that two years ago. Yeah. And I go through this whole rules meeting and he comes up to me and he goes, yeah, this, I can't remember which one it was, he goes, you know, I never knew that. <laughs> You've just cleared that up. I actually had no idea. This guy's been the world champion yeah. for the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that was actually a rule. Yeah. yeah. No worries, Alex. <laughs> Happy to help. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen some backstage footage with, with referees going through, you know, just the pre-fight with, with fighters and it is so important because just to clear up, if there's any questions you've got, you know, uh, but this is basically my rundown as to how things are going to go. If you get hurt, like, and you look like you're in trouble, like, this is that's the end. You got to show me something really quick. Your intelligent defense, or this is done. Like, it, you know, and it, you can see that clarification is there. So after the fact, they can't really go back and go, oh, I didn't even know you. It's uh, like, well, that's why you have to do a rules meeting. Mm-hmm. That's why in pros, I'll always go and see them individually and give them my commands. Yep. And that way, if there is an issue, I'll go, but we spoke about that mm-hmm. and I asked you, did you have any questions? And you said no. Mm-hmm. So you broke one of the rules. That's why the fight was stopped. So that's why we have to do that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last thing I do before every fight, now it's not all, you don't do it in the UFC, but you'll do it in main events is when you bring them together. Gentlemen, we've been through the rules. Mm-hmm. You need to protect yourselves at all time and obey my commands at all time. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing I say. And I'll say, you know. Touch gloves if you want. Let's have a good clean fight. Yeah, I used to go to it with they'd say any questions. I never had no one's. No, I don't think anyone's ever. Nothing is anyone's ever asked I a never, question. I, that's why I don't say that. I don't say that. I say we've been through the rules. They know we've been through the rules. That's yeah. right. It yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, gentlemen, we've been through the rules out the back. Uh, yeah. You know, let's have we, a good clean fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's more a declaration but, so everybody else understands. You know? right. But it's more about, um, you know, you need to obey my instructions mm. at all. You just – that's what you – you need to protect yourself at all time and obey my instructions. And that's where TKOs come into it. So someone's on a flurry and they're belting away at you and this guy's going, I want to die on my side, I want to die on my side. Mm. And I've asked you to – and you'll hear me. I scream it out louder than any ref you've ever heard. I'll say, fight back, fight back. And the reason I do that is that, for one, you're not intelligent in defending yourself, so I've got a right to stop the fight. And two, I've asked you to – and you haven't, so you've mm. disobeyed. You've disobeyed my instructions. So yeah. I have no choice. I have to stop the fight. Right. Mm. There's two reasons I have to stop the fight. Mm. There. So if you're not obeying the instructions, or you're refusing, you're refusing to. So you're either unable to, or you're refusing to. And either way, that's, that's that enough. stops the fight. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it does help in those situations being loud and direct because yeah. the the audience he's at as well, mm. and it's like, okay, well he's he's right on the edge here. Like he's got to do something and. You know, there isn't that question mark. It's like well, the referee said it like six yeah. times. You well, need to fight I'm, back. I'm not yeah. interested in in what the crowd has oh, to no, hear or not, say, yeah. or, or the commentators really for that matter. But I'm interested. Mm. I say it loud enough so the fighter hears it, mm-hmm. and the corners yes. and any other official around the table. Because if it goes any further, did you hear me? What did I say? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Don't grab the fence. How many times did I ask you not to grab the fence? Three times. That's why I deducted a point at mm-hmm. the end of the round. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. So you've just got to let them know that, and they. They know all these rules before they go in there. Mm. But you're breaking the rules, you know. That's right. It happens often. It happens all the time. And so you will give people some leniency. Don't grab the fence. Don't, mm. If you grab the fence again, I'm taking a point. And I'll say it loud enough. So end of the round, I'll take a point. Yeah. Mm. Are they allowed to grab with the feet or not? No. No, no. you're not allowed to insert your fingers or toes at all. You're only allowed to push off. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Any, anything that... It goes to your advantage as a legal. Mm. Did, you, did you ever see that uh, that underground fight of Rich Franklin's and his opponent's foot got stuck between oh, the canvas and the cage? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes, it was yeah. completely stuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what you do in that situation. I have been in in a cage where the lights have gone out oh. in fight. Yeah, right. So I've just stop. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just stop. Right. Oh, God. And then obviously when they fixed it up, it was like, okay, where were you? And you were there. All right, start again. Ready? <laughs> that's that's a hard thing too to, mm. to assess where to put people. You've got to know your positions. This yes. is why I spoke about in the referee course and the judging course. You have to get on the mat. You have to have some experience. Mm-hmm. You've got to know how to reset someone in the rope. You can't take an advantage off someone. Mm. Mm. That's right. Yeah, that's what used to happen in those early days in the UFC is that there would be a foul or there would be something and somebody would be in an advantageous position. Like mm. they'd, be, they'd have top position and they're working and I don't know, whatever happened. Let's say that the guy at the bottom lost his mouth guard or something and, you know, even those sort of things. And they'd be like, okay, stand up. And it's like, well, you just took the, <laughs> the guy worked 10 minutes to get that. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I very rarely stop for a mouthpiece unless there's a, a lull in the action. I won't stop. Right. Well, yeah. If your mouth guard comes out. Too bad. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. Protect yourself. Yeah. But I'm not taking the advantage of this guy because he knocked your mouth guard out and mm-hmm. he's wailing on you. I'm not going to tell him to stop for you yeah. to put your mouth guard out. Yeah. Do you think there'll be that much more by way of evolution in the, in the rule set? Yeah, for sure. You think that it'll, it'll yeah. get yeah, so we're not compl- we're not there yet. No, I don't think we're there yet, and and we're not there yet because different organisations have different re- different sets of rules. Look at One FC's rules. Yeah, you know? mm, yeah. Look at uh, um, PFL have some different mm-hmm. rules. Mm-hmm. So, who's got it most right at the moment? Do you feel out of the big promotions? You know, I used to I used to hate soccer kicks in the head. Yeah. I thought that was anyone could look, you didn't have to go to a gym to learn that to be you could do that in a pub. Yeah. Brutal, isn't it? Yeah. It's brutal, but we're in a fight. 
Mm-hmm. And we spoke earlier about if someone's going to hit you or kick you and they do something to your head, you need to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So why should you be able to dive in the ground and go, oh, let's play jiu-jitsu? No, yeah. I'm going to kick in the head. I'm going to knee in the head. I'm going to punch in the like. Yeah. So I'm kind of coming around to the fact that. Soccer kicks are good. Well, I'm not saying they're good. <laughs> they're fantastic. But I'm saying that's just another <laughs> really part good. of martial arts. You're going to have to, it's another part of your game and you have to work to defend. Because mm. do you remember a few years ago the UFC changed to you had to have two hands on the ground. Yes. Mm. Which I three three points of contact was it? Well, no, it's never ever been three points of contact. It's was it, was it grounded to be a grounded fighter to no, not get yeah, hit? Yeah, but the in words the head. was never never three points grounded. Right, okay. You sounding like a fighter where I haven't educated. Sorry, yes. so it's, it's anything other than the you got to do the course, man. <laughs> anything other than the soles of your feet makes right. you grounded. So if I can do a one handed handstand, mm-hmm. I'm grounded. Right. Yeah. There's no feet on the ground. There's no knees on the ground. But I'm a grounded fighter. Right. Anything mm. other than the soles of your feet makes mm. you grounded. But at the UFC for a while, they changed the rule where you needed to have two hands on the ground, which made no sense to me because if if I'm in this position here, I want to be doing this. Mm. Yeah. So to not get hit in the head, you want me to put my hands down? Mm. Like never got that sort of stuff. Mm. I, I think it was um, that there were so many people that were gaming that that rule, and they would they would have their hand one hand down and the other hand protecting like against the cage, but then. They had a couple of fights with where there was a disqualification because the guy's hand like sort of bumped up just a, a millimeter as the guy landed a knee to the head, and yeah. it was like, oh, we had to go back, and they've watched it, and they're going, oh, actually, yeah, his hand moved up an inch when you land, so that's uh, you're actually DQ'd. Um, so yeah, I think it's, that, it's tough as a ref to call that. Oh, yeah. Really, really tough. Absolutely. And, you know, John Jones was famous for he'd, he'd, he'd get down low and he'd just come in and he'd play this game yes. until he would pass your guard or do what he was going to do. Like, yeah. Yeah. But then they kind of say, if you're going to play that game. Yeah, too bad, yeah. Yeah, I remember John That's McCarthy saying you. that. Yeah, if, if you're going to come out and do that, it's yeah. it's on you if you get head, head kicked. Yeah, because <laughs> technically you are grounded. Right. You're not. You are, you are. Yes. You're, if you want to play that game, you know. Yeah, so That's make right. a decision. So you can't clean that up completely, though. No. I don't know how you clean, clean that up completely. Well, I guess, I guess you're, own, you're either going to go two ways and, and one is – you know, you're going to have the what the UFC has currently, where they're, they're trying to find a, a balance with the two-handed, or you're going to say soccer kicks are all out. Yeah. You know, so which means pretty well protect yourself at all times. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know where that's where soccer that's going kicks to are good. Up. I think we're back. It's a circular <laughs> discussion, isn't it? There, there was there was an underground fight where the guy was doing that. He came out and he had he was playing that game and he was sort of hopping up and down, like hands are on, oh, hands on. Yeah. I saw the guy just he head ran. kicked him and, <laughs> and knocked him out. I think he ended up getting described, but the other guy's like, "Yeah, you're going to be an idiot. I'm going to kick in the head." <laughs> Justice was served. It's like, yeah, I lost. Yeah. You got fucking head kicked. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's. I, I don't know how we clean up that sort of stuff, but it's evolving. There's there's new little things are happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Guys are learning counters to counters to yes. counters. So it's a it's an ever evolving sport, which is great. Yeah, mm. oh yeah, it's incredible. It's amazing. That's it seems, right. it so seems to be of, of all the sports, it's the most malleable because the it, it, it seems like and and the rule set seems to chase wherever the trends are going as well. So you've got this kind of constant evolution, constant change, and yeah. and uh, whereas you know, all, all the other sports have pretty much they've landed on their static rule set now, and there's not going to be that change. And or, or are going backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You got you don't watch AFL football, but mm. one of my jobs there is. To coach tackling, and uh, I'm having a hard time mm. trying to find out what the perfect tackle is these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really hard. And they're saying the head, you know, is sacred. You cannot hit the head, but I don't think anyone goes out to hit the head. They go mm. out there to land a tackle, and if your head hits the ground, well, that's in 
in MMA, that's called incidental. Yes. Right? You know, that's just inter- incidental to the action. I didn't try to get your head to the ground. I went to tackle you as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did have a um, – I had a, uh, a guy who was on a show in Melbourne who had set up on a, uh, a triangle. So mm-hmm. he was hanging onto a triangle and he picks the guy up like this and he smashes him to the ground mm-hmm. um, and the guy gets knocked out. Right. And they put a complaint in and it went to the uh, board – and the board don't really know a lot about that sort of stuff, but I had to just talk them through it, the fact that was at any time there, while you're hanging onto that armbar, you can just let go and stand up. <laughs> 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 There's no armbar anymore. Right. It's finished. Mm. You're standing up. Yeah. You can punch him and kick him. But you mm. chose to hang on. So the guy comes down and as he goes down, he claimed that the guy's head hit him in the chin. That's what knocked him out. Mm. Who's to say that knocked him out or his head smacking the ground hit and knock mm. him out, mm. or if he had to just let go, yeah, change the situation. So yeah. that's right. What was that rampage of Rona thing? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is what we talk about. Refs and judge have to know this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Otherwise, we've got the wrong people overseeing our sport. That's not going to progress our sport. Exactly right. Mm. Mm. We will have to uh, wrap it up. I'm going to get off to. Oh, we, we, we might have to. <laughs> yeah, we'll been nattering on for a while. <laughs> been just a <laughs> it's a good subject to natter on. Oh, I could talk. I could talk to you forever. I was yeah. so excited. I'm so I literally have to go to work. I do night shift. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure having you in, Craig, and and just a, a great to hear the stories and and truly a legend of the sport. You know, to, for somebody who hasn't had to stand in there and and fight his way to legendary status, I, I think I learned, I learned very early that that wasn't my path. That wasn't the path, right? <laughs> and you might not, never have ended up in the movies if you did. So. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Clengens, he's been with us today. And will you be back in Adelaide for DFC 17, uh, 2nd of July? That is that is the plan. For Wonderful. Sure. So you can see this man in the cage, Adelaide Oval, DFC 17. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Clengens. Thank you, gentlemen. Awesome. Thank and, you so much. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. 